Hey. Hey. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, 28th of September. Getting ready to head to Houston soon. So uh, we got the Healing Strong 10-year anniversary. But before that, we got Jonathan E. Mord, Sacred Fire of Liberty Edition. He'll be with me, of course, at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo coming up uh, mid- mid-October. All those are in the upcoming events tab. Also today, an hour two, Jim Smith on our Trinity School of Natural Health featured spotlight. We got a lot to do on the show today. Hope you all tune in and uh, join me and Jonathan, Sacred Fire of Liberty, and then Jim Smith, Trinity. After this brief, hello, let's start the show. Hey, your your background is on. I'll fix it by the time we get started. <laughs> the Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, y'all, here we go. The Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, uh, September the 28th. How do we get here? It's fall. You might be feeling the, the chill in the air in the Northern Hemisphere like I am. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's harvest season. We got lots of good things. And one of the things we want to harvest is more freedom. Helping us do that is Jonathan E. Mord. Welcome back, Jonathan. Yes, good to be here, Robert. Great to see you, my friend. And I was so glad to finally connect you with one of my dear friends, uh, Reverend David Allen Carmichael out there in Virginia at the event you went to. And he I, I mentioned, you know, he texted me how he felt like the the sincerity, you know, everybody that hears you, you know, when you speak, just they know you believe it with every fiber and core of your being. So just I don't have to say keep it up because that's who you are. That's right, Robert. I am not a fraud. I'm not a phony. I am who I am. And if you like me, great. And if you don't, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. We can roll with that because, you know, there's enough things in life to concern ourselves with. And uh, I think the uh, the thing that uh, over the years, I I think back on when we first met and through the number of events, I remember some of the early health freedom expos we went to. you, You have this very serious demeanor. You might know that. But at the same time, once you get beyond it, it you, you're cracking jokes, you're making people laugh, you love to laugh. And it's like that endearing quality that you don't know, because when you got a guy like you that's taken on the bureaucratic oligarchy like nobody else and the FDA and beat him back in court, you know, you think this guy's serious. And he is. But again, the spirit flows. That's the humor. That's the lightheartedness in the midst of very serious stuff that we got to cover each week, much less the reason you're running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, for, you know, it's coming up next year. The election's going to be happening. Well, we face a lot of serious problems. And, you know, my whole career, 38 years litigating in federal court is uh, not a moment for levity. Um, I, I could I could laugh outside the courtroom. But when you're doing stuff almost every day, fighting like a dog, dealing with bureaucrats, dealing with the courts and dealing with enemies of the Republic, you end up with uh, a lot of serious business. So I don't think we could have won those cases if we weren't just 100% serious, dedicated and resolved to win. And that's the same kind of uh, personality characteristics I bring to this campaign. Uh, But, you know, fortunately, there are people like you, Robert, that help me uh, get a moment to laugh every now and again. Who, dude, I'm telling you, when I see what's going on, and it's not just new, although it seemed to have gotten worse under Biden, clearly, uh, 
we have to find moments of absurdity just to get through it because it's, you know, it is a tragic loss of, of, you know, the foundations in our country that people have abandoned it or the government has deceived people into abandoning it. Any number of things that have occurred. And Ken, that's why you're a serious, uh, let's say, historian, too, in terms of writing and research and bringing that out so people understand how we got here. And I think that's, you know, you're uniquely qualified among the candidates to go back in time to explain how we got here as opposed to, oh, it's just a random act of evil Democrats and, and just leave it at that in a, in a political volley that doesn't go below that superficial level. And it's so much deeper than that. And it involves, again, both parties, as you've pointed out, and know for many years. So the seriousness with which you take that on is, you know, I acknowledge it and I feel it, too, at the same time, again, you look at what you've had to battle and even the successes you had stories from the courts and what these bonehead bozos and government will say, you got to go, are these, did these people even go to school? I mean, yeah, the trail of our country is, is uh, deep. It's not only the leadership, but it's also these bureaucrats. And, you know, one of the things that uh, you just mentioned that I think is important. I mean, why are you running for this office? You know, that's the real big question. A lot of these people are just interested in having something on their resume, I think, mm-hmm. because they don't have a sincere commitment or even an understanding of the foundational principles of the United States. For you and me, it, we recognize this as the really the final contest uh, before the republic is virtually utterly destroyed. I mean, we're looking at the Constitution hanging by a thread. And so as somebody who spent literally his entire life advancing and working to defend and expand protections under the constitution for individual liberty. Uh, I, you know, I find I'm so appalled and so fearful for the future of our children and ourselves. I mean, it is a, it is a momentous threat to liberty that we face in this country. So if that's your motivation, I'm all for you, but these people don't even understand the threat. And oftentimes it's a situation where, uh, when you have people running for elective office and they can't articulate the constitutional issues we face, they can't explain how they would solve those problems, and they don't have any real understanding of the issues in any depth, you got to ask yourself, well, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing this? And uh, that's that's what I face. I mean, in, in this primary, I'm really kind of shocked at the number of people running who really don't have any foundation, uh, either in experience or in achievement, have never won anything uh, important, and have no understanding of the bureaucracy, have no detailed understanding of it, no involvement with it. And that's the big issue. When three quarters of all federal law is the product, not of those we elect, but the product of the unelected heads of the bureaucratic agencies, well, my goodness, um, We've got to have someone who's expert in those agencies to understand how to deconstruct them and how to resurrect constitutional protections. So that's what motivates me. But, you know, I got to tell you, I'm very disappointed to see so many people running who don't have that. All they want to do is get a little notch on their resume. Maybe they want a government check. I don't know. But uh, I want to get things done, (laughs) specific things accomplished rapidly before the whole country goes down the tubes. How many, yeah, how many people are on an actual mission uh, who have made it their life's work to restore constitutional governance, to restore a Republican form of government, an acknowledgement that uh, 
Um, there are rules written for a reason and to ignore them invites again, the disasters that we're seeing. And, and there's a longer range view. You know, we talk about having kids, I've got two kids, you've got two kids. And we look at that and we go, what are we leaving for these kids? And what can we do within our power to make it better or to restore the things that we have a, uh, you know, a genuine desire to, to see reignited, right? Like the sacred fire of Liberty. That's been a theme for, <laughs> for us, for you ever since I met you. And um, you know, the seriousness with which this task requires us to dedicate, you know, it's a fraction. if you think about the things that our founders went through, like you talk about the declaration of independence and what we know historically about Lie, you know, put, putting their lives on the line, they're, they're, everything they owned that they, you know, their property is right there there. And the sacred honor concept here as well. These things have been kind of, I guess, drummed out of our culture, even as we talk about them historically, because I think we've gotten it so easy. Life had become so easy for us historically unprecedented in terms of human survival, our ability to not want for much, even if you're poor in America, you have a cell phone and multiple TVs, you know? So it's like an unprecedented time where everybody has access to ease with which they don't even have to grow their own food to this point for the most part. And I think that's unfortunately bred a laziness in our culture to think that it would just automatically, this thing called freedom would automatically just remain because it's kind of, we didn't have to do much. We just showed up. We were born in America. Well, last week I had the privilege of speaking before Turning Point USA's uh, chapter in San Diego at the University of California in San Diego chapter. And uh, I have to say that was such a wonderful experience for me because, you know, as you go along in a campaign like this, you frequently come up against people whose positions on issues are the opposite of your own. And of course, that's acceptable. It's a free country. What do you expect? I fully defend to the nth degree their right to communicate information to the contrary. But it's so refreshing to see that among young people, there are people like those in Turning Point USA who are committed to the founding principles of this country and are deeply interested in learning everything they can get their hands on about those founding principles. So it was fantastic because they all got my book. They're all interested in reading it. Many of them had read it before I even got there and they were commenting on it. Many of them asked very probing questions. So, you know, we hear a lot about uh, youth turning to the far left, but I got to tell you, Turning Point USA is a gold and bright shining object out there drawing in many, many kids hmm. who really viscerally understand, if not intellectually understand what dire straits we're in mm -hmm. and appreciate that. Uh, you know, we have everything in our power to make the greatest nation on earth great again. And uh, it's it's entirely up to us. It's entirely up to who we vote for. And that uh, future is something they are buying into. They do not want to grow up and have their freedoms taken from them. So these are the vanguard of a new movement of freedom fighters. And I'm so impressed. Anyway, it was a great opportunity for me, Robert. And they and and they're going to have me speak. I think in, to five additional chapters on the East Coast. Nice, uh, all related to my book, The Authoritarians, um, which has you know continuously received very uh, positive reviews and is doing very well. It's all over the place. It's at Amazon. It's at uh, Target. It's at Walmart. Um, it's doing very well. So I'm glad to see that too, because that gives me hope that people are understanding. 
mm-hmm. and want to understand the history that has led us to our current crisis. I have to believe that at any given time, there are souls that incarnate in this on this planet for great purpose. Now, um, I'm not trying to diminish anybody who doesn't feel a strong sense of purpose or mission, although many people in this audience do. Uh, but there, you know, I look back at what happened in our lifetime, and particularly, you know, with that um, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, where it eliminated liability for these corporations, which by and large, listen, if you are absolved of responsibility for anything that you do, this is where we find even good humans become bad humans. They, they're they somehow corrupted in a sense. They become megalomaniacs or whatever. But these pharmaceutical companies that produce products that cre- can create great harm, arguably on some side, the perception is that it could protect you from things. And again, we, we can have that debate another time, and I do often. Uh, But I think about what has happened to a generation or two of children, young people that have been harmed either mildly or severely in terms of injury. And then we've seen it manifest magnificently. And I don't mean that in a good way, but but over the COVID crazy years we've just gone through where that concept of absolving people of liability or companies of liability came home to roost in a very concentrated way, not just for children, but for all ages with the COVID injection. We have to get rid of those protections against liability that are in the federal law. We have to get rid of them. We have to get rid of the whole vaccine compensation fund and allow specific liability to attach to those who are responsible. Here, let me just give you the the picture here. Mm -hmm. So you've got companies that uh, are called into action by the government to produce vaccines. Those companies stand to profit magnificently from this whole process, particularly in the case of the COVID uh, uh, vaccine companies. Now, there are adverse effects always associated with a vaccine and the varying, there are varying levels of adverse effects and there have been no greater adverse effects than are associated with the COVID vaccines. And particularly for youth, it's really horrific. So what, 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 uh, what, why is that? Why is it that companies will sell something that is toxic to such a large number of people? Well, the only way they do it is with this kind of protection. And what happens is when you grant them this kind of protection, you see, they've spent so much money on research and development that when they come around to finding in the course of that research and development that their massive investment has not yielded a product that is capable of, of uh, getting into the bloodstream without causing adverse effects, what do they do? Well, if they didn't have the liability, then they would have to admit mm-hmm. the extent of the, of the injury and you'd have greater, at least greater fully informed consent, uh, or more likely they would change it. They would change it. They'd have to go back to the drawing board, whatever. In this case, they don't do that because Mm -hmm. they don't want to lose the investment. And in addition, the profit prospects are so huge that if the government will protect them from liability, they just forge ahead and they're willing to take, because they've got that protection, Mm -hmm. they're willing to take any amount of public criticism. And then in this case, you've got, government collusion with industry and with uh, the intelligence services and CISA, and they together work to censor mm-hmm. uh, criticism. So people are completely oblivious, right? They're largely mm-hmm. unaware of the full extent of criticism about these vaccines and what they do. And that's their ticket to keep people getting it, keep the profits up. So mm-hmm. it is a really vicious, horrible cycle. And at root, it's the liability protection that's a problem. Historically, Jonathan, wasn't this something our founders warned us about? Because kings, queens, and emperors of old, when you had monarchies, 
could just by divine right of kings declare their friends completely, you know, liability free. They could commit heinous crimes and nothing would would occur because the king protected them in, in, in that concept of sovereign immunity. We've heard the term sovereign immunity applied to the federal government as well. I'm thinking, where is their legitimacy? Where is it just doing the same thing? Previous forms of governments that our founder said, don't do this. You don't want this to happen again. And here we are seeing it, witnessing it. And I think the vulnerability there is a belief in something like vaccines beyond our our knowledge of right and wrong, even. I mean, look, I, I'm a big fan of Reagan, as you served in the Reagan administration. I think the thing is they convinced him to sign this thing. Even he was reluctant. But look at what this disaster was, because even he believed that vaccines were so sacrosanct that they had to have a place and we had to make it or else they weren't going to be here and they were all going to die. Well, that perception. Their argument was false. Their yeah. argument, And it was very effectively argued at the time that, look, if you don't give us, you know, it's a false play. If yeah. you don't give us this uh, protection from liability, we won't make vaccines. We won't do it. The whole market will be dead. The only way vaccines are possible is if you give protection, because there's always some degree of risk with a vaccine. We can't do it. Well, that's not true. Look, it's, it's just like any other drug. Uh, it's a risk benefit analysis. And if you supply people with full information, they can make that risk benefit choice. What we have now is a government system where the risk benefit is decided right up front by the government because they say you cannot sue. So you're you, the public, are going to take all the risks. Yeah. And if there's a benefit, great. And if there isn't, mm, you're still not going to be able to sue. So that is insane. And it's only been given to the drug industry. No, they have to make a, a, a vaccine that's safe. They can't make a vaccine that's safe. And I, by safe, I don't mean zero injury. I mean that the benefits vastly exceed the detriments. If they can't do that, then they shouldn't be in the business of making them. I mean, it's like, uh, would we give absolute liability protection to a company that made uh, explosive devices on the, on the assurance that even if used in accordance with their instructions and it blew up and killed people, they would not be liable. What would that do? That, that would cause people who make these explosive devices to get lazy, lax, to not really be interested in. There'd be no incentive. There'd be no incentive to protect you and they wouldn't give you full information and you Mm -hmm. buy these things and get blown up. So the point point is uh, we rightfully have tort laws that protect us in in the market when we are defrauded, abused. uh, And that, 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 uh, that, that legal protection, which is available for individual suit, should never be denied us, regardless of what uh, the company claims. If the companies claim, if they're truthful, and they say, hey, we can't make a vaccine because the risks to the public are sufficient and the benefits would never exist, well, then what they're really saying is that they have too, a too risky product. Yeah, well, the product doesn't deserve a place in the market. But, Jonathan, I think our vulnerability over the last, well, 20th century into the 21st is – an overwhelming fealty as if they are godlike in their ability to disseminate not only information or products to the people uh, that we have a false, almost religion in terms of modern medicine, where it's gone beyond what we call legitimate science into worship us, believe us, trust us. And if you question us, we're going to, you know, we're going to attack you with everything we have to make it that no one listens to you. That's the whole censorship regime on foods and dietary supplements. It originates with this idea that, 
only drugs are therapeutic agents and that the drug industry necessarily has to declare for us what, what substances we can take to treat disease rather than allow us a free market in which we are given full information about all kinds of substances that we can bring together to, to work in uh, maintaining our health and in treating disease. In fact, in this whole COVID epidemic, if people didn't have access to integrative medicine, alternative medicine, dietary supplements, and other ways of healing, uh, many of them would have died because the reality is that this disease manifests itself in so many different symptoms that uh, you've got to have a, a massive armamentarium of both healthy you know, foods and supplements mm-hmm. and uh, drugs like ivermectin uh, in order to combat it effectively. And yeah. so, uh, you know, now we've got uh, variants that are far less lethal, that, uh, you know, th- this is the direction of these things. They were in the endemic phase. But even with that, Robert, CDC and local governments and local school authorities are trying to force us back into this regime where we mask ourselves with masks that don't work to protect yeah. us from anything. It's a nanoparticle size. And then, and then also the whole idea that we're going to be forced into vaccination again, the whole idea that every kid in this country will have to have boosters again. Um, you know, and even with all the risks that are associated with that, even with all the adverse event reports that are pouring in associated with the vaccine, they want to continue this. And that's because of what we were talking about earlier, the protection against liability and the opportunity for massive profits and the government colluding with them, particularly like Fauci, yeah. who we now know has profited magnificently from his own patents that were used by the pharmaceutical companies in association mm-hmm. with the vaccine. We come back to freedom of speech, First Amendment, engaging in discussion, debate, argument even, uh, and yet the suppression that, uh, the, you know, like I said, the First Amendment wasn't written to grant us rights of freedom of speech. It was to put the, the government in, on notice that you shall not infringe on those freedom of speech rights. And there's a, a Brownstone Institute article uh, here we have linked up in the show notes today. It's the First Amendment should restrain the CISA, too. Can you talk about this? Is your, your security state maybe held liable for its deliberate usurpation of First Amendment? What, what's going on with this case? Yeah, that's the Missouri case. Uh, and that's a very good case. It's back down from the Supreme Court to the district court level. Uh, to assess the extent to which they can hold and join the government from uh, colluding with big tech to censor information. And what it what it really deals with is this, a lot of people are not aware of the CISA uh, um, entities, which I, we can look up the acronym here in a second, but you look that up while I'm talking, Robert. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, it is it is part of the deep state. And what it was doing was colluding with the Biden administration, actually being the instrument of the Biden administration for working with big tech to censor platforms, to kick people off. And it was very aggressive in policing misinformation. And this Brownstone Institute article is outstanding because it points out that full extent of uh, involvement. Uh, This is something virtually no one talked about, the CISA, and uh, virtually no one um, is aware of the fact that, that this is a government entity that was intimately involved in censorship uh, of uh, information all during the pandemic. And uh, I sure hope that the courts get it right here and that um, it is, it is you know, it's dealt with properly. 
So CISA stands for Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Mm-hmm. That was the agency, uh, part of Homeland Security, that was used uh, principally by the administration as this conduit for this massive censorship. Um, so the biggest, the highest degree of censorship in our history, far greater than the Alien Sedition Act period. Uh, so this is a enemy of the First Amendment. It is absolutely unconstitutional under the First Amendment. And the courts have got to get it right. And we do need to enjoin the government from doing this. Because, look, if we go through another health emergency, and we will, uh, and we have a situation where the government's trying to prevent us from gaining access to information, access to substances that can treat and cure disease because they have a one-size-fits-all approach or they're bribed by the pharmaceutical industry or whatever, they're bribed by foreign powers like Joe Biden, Whatever it is, uh, we have to be able to have that freedom of speech because if we don't have it, we are just victimized with no recourse. We don't know what we need to know to save ourselves. Yeah. Well, here's the here's another layer of concern as we're looking at the body politic, uh, you know, Americans, Democrat, Republican or whatever. Uh, this article says one third of Democrats believe Americans have too much freedom. Now, I'm not saying they're in the majority, but. We do know that the majority in the legacy or mainstream media uh, basically fall into this line uh, where they believe in tyranny and suppression of speech, even though media used to be the defender of the freedom of speech. They become the mouthpiece, if you will, for the establishment, suppressing any views that are not the official narrative. So a third of Democrats at this point, again, I don't know where that falls in terms of Marxist Democrats, which you know are not like Kennedy Democrats. We've talked about the difference there as well. But I mean, that's a significant portion of one political party that thinks we got too much freedom. Well, remember, uh, some upwards of 60 some odd percent of Democrats said they'd like to give socialism a go in uh, polls just a few years ago. So it's not surprising to me that there's uh, upwards of a third of the Democrat Party. And remember, the Democrat Party, even though this isn't reflected in polls, is really a party of, uh, that is dominated by radical leftists. Today is unquestionable that the Democrat Party is not your grandfather's Democrat Party. It is not a party that believes in civil liberties. It's not a party that uh, used to be that the old Democratic Party didn't believe in economic liberty that you and I believe in, Robert, uh, but did believe in civil liberty, so we had a point of agreement. The new Democrat Party is really a Marxist entity. Uh, It does not believe in civil liberties, does not believe in economic liberty, but it also does not believe in civil liberty. And that means that you've got them advocating censorship. You have them advocating uh, the creation inside the government of misinformation boards. So the White House talking about the need for governing the country with misinformation detectives who would sleuth out the internet and find misinformation and eliminate it. Uh, That's what they really believe in. Of course, my, you know, your misinformation is my accurate information. Your misinformation is my access to information. Your misinformation may be correct in labeling it as deceptive, but does that mean that I can't have access to it to draw my own conclusion? You see, the First Amendment allows us to prosecute false speech that deceives us, but False speech in and of itself that does not deceive us, that does not cause us injury, is not actionable. 
So when you have a politician up there and they're saying some stupid thing that their background includes a certain characteristic or something that it doesn't, and they're, and they're absolutely reprehensible because they're lying about themselves, that um, is something we cure in the political process. We don't force them into jail or something. And likewise, in the marketplace, frequently people don't know. The producers of something will believe it has a certain effect and they'll advertise that effect and that effect may actually happen. And the assumption may be that it produces a benefit. Well, after further inquiry and scientific research and so forth, the overall consensus may be the opposite. But you know what? The First Amendment is a individual right against government censorship of information and opinion. The point is the Founding Fathers cast their lot in favor of us being the ones to decide the relative value of speech. Just as the definition of given to us of liberty by Jefferson constrains government to act only in instances of injury, so too it is in the case of the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. So if I have an opinion, a political opinion that you find obnoxious, you have no right to use government power to prevent me from speaking. Your solution is counter speech to debate me or to just ignore what I say and turn off the television or go away, but not to deny me the right of freedom of speech because it is an individual right Mm -hmm. against government censorship. You know, Thomas Jefferson put it this way and it applies equally to speech and all other areas of freedom. He said, rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He said, I did not say within the limits of the law because the law is often but the tyrant's will and always so when it violates the rights of an individual. That brilliant definition given to us by Thomas Jefferson in his letter to Trench Cokes and is a, is, a, is, a, is a reminder to us that is the heart and soul of American liberty. It's unique in all the world. And it gives us the maximum freedom. And we must cherish and protect that to be a free people, to be the envy of the world that here is a bastion of liberty. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to destroy that, Robert. And that if you ask, if I gave that definition to Democrats today, the typical Democrat would say that is utterly false. They would say that's far too much liberty. And, and that they reject the foundational principles of this country. I, I, w- I wish you were exaggerating, but I don't think you are. A Newsweek article is now showing that amid the rising of what they're calling COVID-19 cases, I, I dispute that again because they're still using technology to detect it that is not sound and validated and, and standardized. It's just not. These were EUA tests. But regardless, Rasmussen reports is showing 76% of Democrats are supportive of new mask mandates up from 2022. Uh, 76% now. We're talking a super majority of Democrats. And I try to be nice, Jonathan. You know I do. I, I don't like the left-right Hegelian dialectic whenever we can avoid it. But we've got to acknowledge that something is wrong with that the majority in that party to believe that we should mandate devices to be worn over faces that don't even work scientifically established to not even work. So the idea here is I want to give leeway to people that have differences of opinions, but when they, when their opinion is to then take that to government to force me to do something that is so patently stupid and harmful or for my kids, 
then it's like, oh man, I am struggling with the niceness thing. <laughs> well, back to Jefferson's definition. If you attempt to use the power of the state to deprive me of my individual liberty, you violate my rights. I have a cause of action against the government for that. And this is the way it must be if we're to have freedom in America. If, if you as a minority can tell me, or as a majority, but as a minority in this instance, can tell me that I may not go out in public without uh, covering my face with, with something that you say is effective, but that I know is in, ineffective, uh, even if you could prove it was effective, you can't deprive me of the freedom to dis dissent. You can't take away my right not to get vaccinated. You can't take away my right not to wear a mask. You can't make me wear some sort of massive burqa-like thing that completely covers my whole body because you think some exposure of my skin to the world pre presents the risk to me and others of the transmission of disease. Recognize they hone in on one disease. You know how many dreadful diseases are circulating in the population? How many are contagious? I mean, they hone in on this one disease. But I'll tell you, if they succeed in taking away our liberty here, mm -hmm. then they will be able to take our liberty away everywhere. It's gone everywhere, yeah. There is disease is a part of the evolution of of, of the mic microbiome in our whole universe. I mean, the yeah. fact of the matter is, there's always going to be disease. There's always going to be a new disease. There's always going to be transmissible disease. Does that mean that we must be given uh, to be enslaved by the state and have our bodies completely controlled because we have to live in some sort of a rubber room or full suit environment? Yeah. Do you want to live like that? Do you want to give the government that kind of control over your life? Jonathan, the people living in fear, like those, I guess, 76% of Democrats that want us to mask up or... Uh, let's say those in the medical or, or, or scientific class, the PhDs, MDs that are arguing for this, like uh, Offit or Hotez, they're actually saying you have no right to transmit, you know, fill in the blank, right? But to your point, the entirety of the microbiome in and out of us, human, animal, et cetera, is something that can never be. In fact, by God's design, we are supposed to be interacting because it helps strengthen us as we learn. We used to, we used to talk about, with disease, we t we in the 20th century, we talked about, wow, we were going to do everything we possibly could to find a way to cure or treat disease. We didn't condemn people who had the disease. We didn't tell people who didn't have the disease that they're natural vectors of the disease because they could possibly cont uh, contract it and could pass it along. No. And doctors bravely treated everybody and, you know, nurses did and police and fire and you know, emergency EMTs and everything. Well, that tradition they have kept by and large. I mean, through the whole pandemic, they kept that tradition. But the government used the fear tactic of ginning up a, an exaggerated notion that somehow uniquely this horrible man-made virus from Wuhan was a thing that was going to completely ravage us, destroy us. And it was a bad a deal. I mean, we lost a million, 100,000 plus people and we're still losing people, but far less. Uh, but, the, but the reality was the trajectory of the disease was not affected one iota by what the government's policy was. And what was that policy? 
Now, policy was to deliver a one-size-fits-all vaccine to compel through coercion everyone to get vaccinated and then to insist that everyone get masked. Did that do anything to the trajectory of this disease? No. It went along its ordinary path as a, as a nanoparticle infecting in people. They ordered us into our homes and it spread the disease faster. They shut down businesses and destroyed the economic wherewithal of people to survive. They ruined our kids. They created mass depression. They lost, we've lost years of education uh, because our kids are now held back to the point that they've lost entire year, year grades and, their, and our overall achievement levels are in the tank. Uh, and so we've really hurt ourselves for years and years in ways that sacrifice life. Kids who committed suicide, people who have suffered and died from the disease because they didn't get early treatments, uh, doctors intimidated out of providing unique care for specific patients who exhibited, each person exhibits different symptoms with this. So you, you ended up with a bureaucratized answer and it utterly failed and now they wanna go back to that bureaucratized answer all over again. They wanna go back to, we'll take your freedom away, we will dictate how you'll be treated and you will accept it whether you like it or not. Mm. Well, I'm not liking that, and I know you're not, and that's why we're here doing these broadcasts each and every week and why you're running to the U.S. Senate to push back on these unconstitutional, uh, uh, let's say, usurpations of our very fundamental freedoms of speech and so much more. Uh, we've got more articles here, and they're always linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. And uh, Jonathan E. Moore, you can find him and his campaign at emord4va, emord4va.com. And we always have that linked up as well. So you can support and find out where he's going to be, different events that you'll definitely want to participate in, not only in Virginia, but around the country. And folks, it matters, uh, even if you're not in Virginia, because when Jonathan Emore gets in the U.S. Senate, it tips things back to freedom. It tips things back to the Constitution in ways that we have not seen. Uh, in Congress since Ron Paul was there, and I think even with more experience in specific areas of defanging the oligarchy, the FDA, et cetera, bringing free speech back, uh, not because it's a gift from government, but it's a right from God, our creator, and that is what is, has been acknowledged prior to this time. Uh, so check out emord4va.com. Let's see what else we got here. The mask mandate we talk about. There's a judge dismissing a suit against New York, the New York Fed over COVID-19 firings. Is is this again another case of, uh, in, in this case, the Federal Reserve in its various uh, you know areas uh, mandating COVID injections for employment. They fire them and they realize um, maybe that wasn't right, but the, the courts are not willing to, f to find against them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that that's probably uh, not too, too uh, uncommon among the courts these days to take a position that the federal government has the right to terminate people or kick them out of the military or whatever. There have been decisions going both ways. In this case, people who uh, exercise their religious liberty right to say, I'm not going to be vaccinated on religious grounds, they, well, they should be found uh, to be fully protected against any act of coercion by the state. You have an absolute right to freedom of religion, and that freedom of religion trumps any power by the government that would interfere with something that would challenge your religious scruples, unless, of course, there is a specific compelling interest that overwhelms it. And that, what does that mean? That means that they'd have to show in your particular case mm -hmm. that you're a healthy individual who have religious scruples against being vaccinated 
posed a health risk to other people that it would enable the government to say, okay, a limited, narrowed answer, a narrow, narrowly restricted answer is appropriate. You may not come to work. But in this instance, you don't have people who are sick. You have people who are exercising their right not to be vaccinated, and they're being punished by the government itself uh, in their employment because they will not adhere to an orthodoxy, even if it runs roughshod over their own religious principles. And that is outrageous and should never be the case. The government is disarmed by the, the First Amendment religious clause of any power whatsoever, uh, both over speech and press, but also over freedom of religion. And while you cannot use religion as an artifice to it cause injury to someone else, you have an absolute right to use religion to determine the, your personal autonomy and protection. And you may use that as a shield, your religion, against the nefarious actions of government or others to try to take away your right to practice your freedom of religion and to adhere to your beliefs. So this is, I think, the proper answer in line with the Founding Fathers. The Founding Fathers, I don't think, would have any hesitation whatsoever in recognizing a scruple mm. that you have on freedom of religion grounds against the federal government depriving you of those grounds to insist that your body be taken over and that you be injected with a mm. substance that you are against on religious principles. Jonathan, the, the, the concept of uh, religious accommodation, I, I have personal experience with that because of my beliefs about certain things. Uh, and we had to push back against the federal government, the State Department about our passports, which we lawfully have our, our quote unquote entitled to as Americans. And we had to push back and say, listen, we have a religious freedom. You, ha you have, as long as, as you point out, there's not you know such a concern for something that you cannot be accommodated. I mean, there are certain points in, in times in, in uh, I guess, governmental activities that they could go away. This is just not possible or feasible in any way, but this wasn't the case. And, um, you know, my friend who you met, Reverend uh, David Allen Carmichael, dealing with that and push back for the, and this is for all people, whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, New Age, whatever you believe that you have a, an ability to practice your faith as long as you're violating nobody's rights in the process. And yet our government has now found it, uh, let's say, uh, made itself more hostile to people of faith and, and not wanting to accommodate as case in point, this, you know, this recent court ruling. Now there's been some in favor of religious freedom too. So it's a mixed bag. It might be climbing up again to Supreme court levels, but still each individual must stand on principle. Just as we wrote about read about in the Bible, those that, you know, stood against uh, things that were ungodly. Let me just call it that. And, and there's a, a place in our lives as Americans when the government tries to make us do something that violates our, our sincerely held religious beliefs, that there is not a lawful or constitutional obligation that you must comply with something that just violates to the core a, a belief that you have. And, and I guess that's something that, you know, as I, I think about uh, the concept of religious bigotry. We were talking off the air about this. We don't have to bring it up. But the idea that, you know, there are people with that of faith that don't like other people of faith because it's not their belief. I'm like, they've missed the boat on what America is all about. Sure have. It, it was to come here to practice our beliefs, to not be persecuted and prosecuted for our beliefs. Again, yeah, I say if you stand in the pulpit and you condemn another faith and you say that those people are not welcome and that they are individuals who should be condemned, um, you are an instrument of fascism and of elitism and of uh, the very an uh, uh, antithesis 
to individual liberty that the founding fathers fought against. I mean, they stood for religious liberty and they would not tolerate the establishment of a religion, the establishment clause in the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Indicative of the uh, founding fathers' view that government should not establish an orthodoxy in either opinion or religion. And so when you have someone from the pulpit set condemning another religion and telling people that these people are anathema uh, to uh, what is right and good and that they need to be condemned and that this is the only place and the only religion in the world that should be tolerated, you've gone too far. You can have, an, you can have every religion is exclusive in the sense that it, it, it identifies itself as being the only true way to get to heaven. But, but that's a belief and you're entitled to that belief. But when you exercise that belief as a club Mm-hmm. to ostracize, punish, yeah. influence the political process to go against individuals who have different religious beliefs, you have just violated both the freedom of religion that the Founding Fathers intended and the Establishment Clause to the extent that you're successful in getting government to go along with you. We demand under the First Amendment tolerance of all points of view and all religions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that if someone under the guise of religion or under the guise of opinion acts to cause injury to someone, you can't go after them. No, you can't. Yeah. You go after them for those acts, but you don't go after them for their opinions and you don't go after them for their religion. Right. You go after them for their acts. This, and so... This- when you know when you have peaceful religions of all different kinds in this country with adherents believing in those things the very first thing we must do as americans is recognize that we must respect all of those people's rights to adhere to the religions of their preference and that that is the reason why we ourselves can be protected in our own religious beliefs and likewise if someone wishes to have no religion at all right right protected in that choice. And Jonathan, you know, this is where you know, I bring this up because it, it's enough that uh, our government would violate our religious freedoms. Again, I'm not asking for something that forces others to participate in the same thing. They still have the freedom yeah. to engage however they want. But then you have other faiths or people of faith in their religion condemning others. And we're not talking about acts of violence here in a sense, because if let's say if a religious belief, say Satanism, wants to sacrifice children that, you know, that's, come on, that's obvious, right? That's, that's an action that's illegal and religion cannot be used as a cover for illegality. So I made that distinction because it's like some people will throw out these things in absurd ways. And it's like, okay, those things are obvious. They're not subtle in that you might not like somebody's belief, but as long as they're not engaging in again, violence, deception, theft, et cetera, you know, on you, that's a whole different thing. But when our government, again, throws in on in a secular way to say, oh, we don't like your religious beliefs or it doesn't count here. And they don't make a a reasonable accommodation. You need to stand and fight for not only for yourself, but I think for all faiths, because eventually they'll come for you if you allow them to go after someone you don't particularly care for. Remember, injury is the thing. And what what they do also is is expand the notion of injury to the absurd. So you, you offend my sentiments because you don't agree with me. That's injury. No, it isn't. So I, I refute, let's say I'm a, a cake, a baker, 
and I'm a Christian, and I don't believe in homosexuality, and a couple comes in and they want me to bake a cake that shows two males or two females on the cake, and I say no. This is an actual case, right? Mm-hmm. I say no. Well, you know what? I, as the owner of that property, which is an economic liberty, this is where the founders got it right and modern uh, liberals get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I have an economic right to my property. I can devote my property to any use I wish that is legal. If I don't want to make a cake of any kind, let's say I, I come in there and I say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I like modern art and I want that cake to be a modern art cake. And I wanted to have all these weird things on it that I tell you I want. And you say, no, I don't do that. That's not my thing. I don't like modern art. Well, you don't have a right to make me make the cake. You can't enslave me and force me to use my property to mm-hmm. make a cake that conforms with your conception of what the world should be. And that same the same thing is true with a cake about, you know, a marriage cake that's a homosexual marriage cake. If somebody doesn't want to make that cake, that's their right. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go and get a cake that has that. No, you can't. You can make your own cake. You can go hire someone to make the cake who does not have those views. But if someone with their own property doesn't want to dedicate it to creating some artistic thing, that's their fundamental right. Now, it's different if it's a place of public utility, like a train or whatever, where all comers are invited and you say, oh, no, I'm not going to let you on the train because you're homosexual. Well, no. You can't do that. Why? Because you are hurting me. You are preventing me from having access mm-hmm. to a public utility, a train mm-hmm. or that's supposed to be open to all comers. But if I have a private shop and I make cakes with my own property or even at my home, you can't come in as a guest to my home and tell me that, <laughs> oh, you have to make a homosexual cake or whatever. You have to make something that, st- and regardless of whether it's homosexual, I mean, it could be anything. You you can't make me make a Democrat cake, right? You can't make me make a donkey cake. Yeah. You can't make me even make a cake. (laughs) I suddenly am a baker and I suddenly say, I'm done with cake. I'm only going to make cookies. (laughs) You come in and you say, you have to make me a wedding cake of a particular kind. I can say, no, I'm not going to make that wedding cake. I'm not going to make any cake at all. Yeah. I mean, the point is absurd when you think, but but it's real. Yeah. I I think our society today. Jonathan, I think, yeah, the absurdity is real. Uh, the idea, though, of having a private business that is open to the public, you're not discriminating someone from coming into your store and buying a cake, but it's a particular belief you have. Again, no, it's when that, you make me act, in other yeah. words, you make me conform. This is the new thing mm-hmm. where, where, you know, the leftists make us conform to their views, whether it's censoring us at the university or uh, forcing us to make a cake or whatever. No, I I can make cakes and they can be available. And if I deny you the right to buy some cake because you have some characteristic, that violates the law and that causes you injury. But if you come in and say, you must make me a cake that is this. That violates your fundamental belief. That violates my property rights and my liberty rights and my religious views. As the owner of the shop, you can't do that. So that's a maturity, though. When we talk about this, we engage in, we might be offending people even talking about this that have different views. But as an adult, you got to engage and say, hey, the thing you want to make that guy do, what if that guy comes in and you have a business and he wants to make you 
do something that you don't agree with. You have you have a you have a a cake place, and it's only to make cakes for lesbians and and homosexuals. Well, gay cakes, right? Whatever. It's like yeah, and and I come in and I say no, I I want a heterosexual. Exactly. Cake. It's like that's, and you say no, I don't make those kinds of cakes. I said, well, you you're going to make it because I'm going to insist on it. If you don't, right. you're going to violate my rights. Well, does that mean that every place that makes food must now have uh, the ability to must must conform to whatever a customer demands? That they put their property to use for yeah. in a creative way. That's, I mean, that? that's the level layer area, whatever I wanted to go to, so that you recognize that as much as you might have a profound belief about something, if you f- allow the government to force you or someone else to do what you want, then the same thing will eventually happen to you. And that's what I ask, you know, in terms of whether it be the Hegelian dialectic of Dems versus Republicans, when you see Democrats wanting all of this power, and then the moment they're out of power, the Republicans gain the power that they had, and then they complain about it. It's like, they're not against having power. It's just, they don't want those people to have it. See, these are people that lack principle. And if you don't believe in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, then you're going to look for the government to coerce everybody to live and believe as you do. Is that really what you want? And I'm asking, you know, if there is a Democrat in this audience, is that really what you want? Forcing people to do what you want them to do until one day they gain the power and it's payback time? Yeah, we know we have far too much government when the conversations we have are like the ones we just had. Yeah. The fact that people cannot be free, that they have to live in a state of worry and terror about what the government's going to do. When you go to school and you bring your kids to school, you have to worry every day whether or not your kids are going to be forced into one method of, of uh, living or another or might be vaccinated against your will or might be invited to change their gender or their sex, excuse me, quote unquote, without actually being changing their sex, but being told that they can with falsehood yeah. and that they ought to have a surgery that completely makes them into eunuchs or sterilized for the rest of their life. Do you I mean. We, we live in an environment in which government overreach is the commonplace, and we are now at a point where we have to defend everything we do because the government overreach is affecting everything we do. So you, you can't go to school without fearing for your kids, not against necessarily the environment they're in, but against the school administration and the policies that are being uh, for, forced upon them. You can't uh, you, you, you can't go into a store without fearing that some smash and grab incident is going to happen right before your eyes and no police protection. And you, and you can't uh, be secure in your own home because you're worried about whether or not they're going to enforce like they did in Arizona. Some stupid come up with some stupid law. that's going to deprive you of the right to defend yourself. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. We're sick of it. And I think there is a tidal wave coming on our side. I think that the earth is shifting from under these people's feet who are running this country in the wrong direction and that they're going to find out in 2024 just how bad it is for them because the the people are awakening, awakening to the reality that freedom is precious and that it's being taken away and that the only way to get it back is in, in the first instance to do it at the ballot box. And I'm telling you, if we don't succeed in getting our freedoms back at the ballot box, it ain't going to be pretty going forward. Yeah, We're well, in trouble because there are a lot of people out there who have had it. Yeah, A lot of people are upset. Yeah, you can only push it so far and then – it becomes much uglier in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, an overt fight to re- regain the freedom lost. 
And I'm encouraging everybody to, at the very least, and it's not too much to ask, it isn't, to support my friend Jonathan Emord, put him in the United States Senate. He's doing great and will continue uh, this journey to have these adult discussions, even about the body politic, economics, etc. They may be considered controversy in some circles, maybe even here, but to have them as adults to engage. And I think we're, I know we're better off for it. I certainly enjoy it every time we get to do these discussions. I feel like Robert, that magnificent telethon that you and Mike Adams put on with all those beautiful, wonderful people coming on and all of the donations that came in. I mean, we are still receiving donations from that telethon. Fantastic. It is fantastic. It has been wonderful. It has done uh, uh, an enormous thing for our campaign. But I'm telling you, if you haven't seen the telethon, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, that might not be interesting. But when they watched it, they found out, wow, that really was. And a lot of people, a lot of people have have sent us emails and have contacted us to tell us, wow, that was one incredible telethon. That's great. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's, it's super, Robert. You are a fantastic host. Robert was the host through the whole thing. And Robert was, you know, his typical self. But I think there was a little bit more energy in one direction. He really mm-hmm. wanted that to work. And mm-hmm. it really did. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I know this will exhaust Robert to hear this, but I'm hopeful <laughs> that we can do another one of those things. But we are contemplating doing a um, major dinner event mm-hmm. in Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, we'll, we'll get details on that as soon as we get it conf- confirmed and, and invite those that want to attend and support Jonathan. We'll do that. We're out of time, Jonathan. Another great episode of the Sacred Fire of Liberty here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where the power to heal, even politically, is yours. All right, here we go. Hour two commences, and we got a big Trinity School of Natural Health update coming up from Jim Smith, as well as the uh, well, the excitement that is generating as we get closer and closer to the Health Freedom Expo. And that's coming up, uh, well, a couple of weeks, three weeks or less. Dude, it's, stuff's moving so quickly. I don't know. Uh, I was moving quickly yesterday. After the show, I eventually got out to the, the mountainside and got my mountain bike ride in, and it didn't rain. It didn't snow. There was no lightning. <laughs> it was amazing. And I didn't wreck. I didn't bleed once. So that was a nice, nice change from the last <laughs> few rides I've been doing. Anyway, glad to get that in. And I uh, got a good workout in this morning before as well. Um, you know, just a reminder, the body, mind, and spirit, all of it, the body. Sometimes we neglect that. Sometimes we neglect our, our mental state, emotional state, spiritual state. That's a big one. Uh, so we got all of that with Trinity School of Natural Health, Body, Mind, Spirit, Education. They've got coursework starting up, uh, I guess, October. Yeah, coming up uh, just about a week or so. They're going to start the next round. If you haven't been to trinityschool.org, uh, you want to check it out, see all the wonderful opportunities you have to uh, enhance your ability to help yourself and others. Trinityschool.org. All right, what do we got uh, this hour? Flu shot season coming up, as usual. Is it going to be a successful or is disastrous. And, and when I say those two words, successful or disastrous, it, I guess it depends on who's who's looking or who's saying. Because if we look at success, we look at the failure 
of the flu shot every year. 13% effective. What does that even mean? It's sort of an unverifiable hypothesis that the flu shot can prevent the flu. Because if you if you don't get it, they say, well, it was because of the flu shot. Of course, many people that get flu shots get deathly sick and they say, well, it wasn't the flu. It was something else, just as they've done with COVID shots. It's not really COVID. Uh, but the other thing is, is the success, the success or the failure. What is the failure? Uh, the failure to communicate in a way that compels you to comply with their desire for you to get a flu injection, flu shot injection. And many people don't want that and, and haven't for years learned the hard way. Some of you, some of you just said, just makes no sense what they want to do. And so the, you know, before COVID shots, I think the flu shots every year annually, we're getting the most complaints through the VAERS, you know, vaccine adverse event reporting system. Um, now they're dwarfed by what, what you call COVID injections that are not really meeting the definition of what we thought vaccines were, or that's what we were told for all that time that changed under COVID too, for a lot of, I think, obvious reasons now, but the idea that uh, we would subject ourselves to this experimental injection every year based on, you know, this, this always changing trans, you know, this is the whole, you know, thing that I have a problem with the whole viral causation hypothesis as well. When I argue that in, you know, what they call flu season is actually a burden on the excretory system manifesting as symptoms of cold flu, et cetera. And I would look to uh, go beyond the germ theory here. For those of you, you know, now some of you are cheering, some of you are going, uh-oh, he's going to step in it, right? Viruses exist, they don't exist. Listen, whatever they are, they're not what we think they are. That's I'll just say that. If we talk about toxic aberrant proteins uh, that may contain genetic material, of course, as proteins by definition do. <laughs> but the idea of a transmissible something has caused us to be living as victims, right? It's a fear-based view of the world. And this is where we get, you know, earlier today, I, you know, I recorded with Jonathan yesterday cause he's, he's got some uh, appointments today, but we talked about, um, seven, it was at 72, 76% of Democrats want to mask up and want you to mask up and are into mandatory masking. Now I could be mean and say they're morons they're dumb, da, 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 da. but obviously to me, maybe to you as well, they're operating in fear. Now, some may genuinely be authoritarians that love power and want to you know, rule over you, but there are Republicans like that, too. So it's not unique to any one political party. But that 76 or so percent of, of so-called self-professed Democrats want you to mask up despite the obviousness of so-called scientific inquiry and validation or invalidation of what do masks actually do as it relates to things that you call a virus or as small as a virus. And so you have to acknowledge then if you don't want to go and say Democrats are stupid, you know, on and on. And then people are offended. You could say Democrats live in fear. They're living 76% or so are living in abject terror of germs. This was the vulnerability that brought on both Dems and Republicans and everybody in between the compliance, the acquiescing to kind of, well, predictions, much less proclamations that if you don't shut down and shelter in place at home and isolate yourself, that you're going to die. And then the next phase is unless you wear a mask, you're going to die or kill people. Unless you get the shot, you're going to die or kill people on and on. The lives continue to pile up. Now, in the face of all the evidence of what's happened over that, the, that time frame, you'd say, well, how come 76 percent of Democrats, again, according to that, that uh, poll, 
uh, are still wanting something that is so obviously not efficient, effective, working at all. And then I go back to the consumption of media, this concept. You guys are consuming media right now. This is the Robert Scott Bell Show. I am programming you to freedom, <laughs> to appreciate freedom and critical thinking. Oh, how horrible. You should be taken off the air. You should be banned and deplatformed. Okay, we are on YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn, so you got your wish there. But why? Because we promote freedom, health freedom, spiritual freedom, economic freedom, and, of course, critical thinking, even about the things, yes, that I say. Critically think about them. Don't just, look, I, if you don't, Super Don's going to call me out on things, so no worries. Go ahead. Write us in and say, hey, man, you were wrong on that. That's okay. We can handle it. We're willing to examine the evidence and change our perspective based on what we find. But apparently 76% of Democrats, again, according to that poll, are not willing to do that. Or if they're not willing, they're not plain just not aware that there are other viewpoints. I'm bringing that up as a possibility when I say consumption of media. And and this came to light more powerfully and strongly and more directly to me. Uh, I think I told you when I was going up to that event in Boise uh, for We the Patriots USA. And I was going to meet a, a friend of mine's mother who I hadn't seen in years. Sweet, sweet lady. And, you know, and of course, the conversation, I could tell she was very left leaning or bought her politics and such. And she's like, oh, what about this event you're going to? It sounds like it could be a right wing, not a Trump thing. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't feed it, didn't do anything. I just said, hey, by the way, did you hear Bobby Kennedy? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president, the nephew of John F. K., the son of Robert F. Kennedy Sr. That's she's like, no, he is. I had no idea. And then I asked the simple question. Well, can I ask where do you? Where do you watch your news? Where do you get your news from? Oh, MSNBC. That's all she watched. So I have to extrapolate this. And you tell me where I'm wrong here. And Super Don, you can chime in on this too. Tell me where I'm wrong here. That my presumption now, if it, if it is, or supposition now, is that the Democrats are being programmed, 76% of them, by a, a media source that does not critically think at all that just programs people into fear and masks and on and on it goes. And so they have no worldview other than what they're seeing on MSNBC or CNN, et cetera, that is manifesting what, what I would call abject stupidity normally. Like, how do you not see what is right there in front of your face? You, oh, you want to put it on your face? Maybe you're putting it over your eyes and shutting your brain down because there's no oxygen. So super D trying to be generous here and explaining that they're not stupid. They are just programmed. They are not being exposed to anything but that message. And they don't even know Bobby Kennedy's running for president. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good theory. Um, I mean, it's yeah. Um, I think I think a part of what's going on here as well is that uh, the Democrats and, and, you know, I mean, I, I hate to do a blanket like you were saying, a blanket I, I statement, know. but with the grain of salt, because the ones that you see in here <clears throat> um, are, you know, uh, I, I think a big part of that is that we are in a election cycle now and there's so much polarization that I, I think that uh, a big part of this that's contributing to it are Democrats that don't want to go do what Republicans are doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's an issue, really. You know, you don't see it. When was the last time you saw a, a liberal Democrat out going, I'm not going to wear a mask. It doesn't happen. You know, it just doesn't happen. And so it's become a political issue. And I think that there are people out there that would probably under normal circumstances would be like, I don't want to wear this thing. But then they'd think, oh, well, the people are going to think I'm a Democrat. I'm a, I'm a Republican. 
but that's who are to think I'm a Trump supporter or something. Isn't that right? a lack of, of intellectual integrity? Again, I don't want to use dumb and stupid because it's just offensive. But yeah, oh, like, it totally is. It totally is. Yeah, but that's you, unfortunately that's the it's unfortunately the world we live in right now. Yeah, <laughs> you and know, dis- it is. When you say, you know, Super Don, you I've heard you say this every once in a while. People suck, right? Yeah. You know, when you get to those conclusions, you're like, you know, I used to say that when as a teenager. Yeah. But it's even more relevant now. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, I, I don't dispute that. At the same time, yeah. what can we do to uh, stimulate an interest in intellectual integrity or integrity in all things? I guess um, maybe Just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, all, all of the the critical thinking, uh, intellectually uh, astute people mm-hmm. uh, are, are here. You know, or they're or they're listening to other people like us, mm-hmm. you know, that are out there um, taking on the, the legacy media. Right. And saying so, what it is that they won't say. Yeah, I would say that many people have come to the conclusion that flu shots suck. Right. Would you agree? I mean, it's not like an easy sell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, easy. totally. I mean, yeah, we've we've talked about that for years and we've laughed every year. You know, there have been a couple of years where they say anyway that, you know, oh, it was like 40 something percent or something. But very rarely did it ever hit half. Right. In fact, and most of the time we were laughing because it was in the teens. Teens and single digits, yeah. And so in certain demographics, yeah, you're right. In some certain demographics, they drop below ten percent. I, I find this funny because you know you you sent me this article uh, about you know the flu shot and the CDC and all of that and and, and apparently in a new effort to reset flu shot expectations because you know how low they are the CDC wants to avoid messages that could be seen as a scare scare tactic, tactic. so have they finally figured out that they're fear mongering somebody fear-mongering. was listening to this show oh my gosh and we somebody said oh them. wait a minute guys here no we way. have an idea it's so weird how is yeah. that possible so they've launched a new public relations campaign to reset your expectations. We're just going to lower the bar. You know what? 15% is awesome. You should be loving well, that, right? Well, no? check this out. Check this out. They're not necessarily saying that they're going to improve the flu shot um, so that it does better than 13%. No, no, they can't do it. So they, they've just right. said, we got to lower the bar on what your expectations So check are. this out. Here's what they're doing, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you remember when the COVID shot uh, came out mm-hmm. and initially it was, you know, get the shot. You won't get COVID. You mm-hmm. won't get sick. You won't end up in the hospital, da, 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 whatever. And then it was after a while, they were like, Oh, wait a minute. Th- that's not what we said. What we meant mm-hmm. to say is yeah. that uh, you won't die or it, it, that the, it will make you uh, less sick. It won't be as severe uh, it'll prevent hospitalization, but it won't necessarily keep you from getting sick. Mm-hmm. This is what they're doing with the flu shot now. This is this is the the brilliant idea, right? Yeah. New yeah. CDC knucklehead running the show, uh, rearrange the chairs, right? Yeah. And, and so this is their thing. They've got they're doing two things here. Number mm-hmm. one, uh, now we're going to say that it's going to make you less sick. It's not going to keep you from getting sick. But it'll make you less sick. So they're they're using the same the failed thing that happened with the COVID shot. They're using that to try and prop up the flu shot, right? It sucks still, but uh, don't focus on it. Not uh, don't focus on it keeping you from getting the flu. Yeah, that's not what it's about anymore. Now it's about that it's going to keep you from dying. 
Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. That, that, that's kind of fear anyway, isn't it's, it, really? born again. Yeah. Now, here's the other brilliant thing that they've decided they're going to do. Do you think brilliant is uh, sarcastic a little bit? In order to get through to people, right? They want to reach through and they want to get everybody on board with being okay with the flu shot again. Yeah. <clears throat> they've, they've started this campaign called Wild to Mild. Wild and what this mild. does is this is, here's the description, and I'm going to show you. And I, I want to see, Robert, when I show you this this okay. magic formula they've come up with, if it makes you feel better about the flu shot. Go full screen. And I, I'm, I'm guessing this probably has, has cost millions of dollars for them to put this together. So the Wild to Mild campaign uses visuals mm-hmm. like a wild animal juxtaposed against a domesticated animal to illustrate how the vaccine can make flu illness milder. So here we go. All right. Uh, and when you look at this, <laughs> you know, grizzly bear and then, and then a teddy bear. and then a teddy bear and hashtag fight flu. Right. Um, all right. So did, what I like about this is it visually just this first one, it does reveal their belief system that synthetic artificial life form that is not a life form is, is desirable. In other words, take nature and kill it, destroy yes. it and stuff it. So I'm just, that's my first image reception. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's try this one. Mm-hmm. This is wild to mild. Oh, okay. A flu the elephant would like, be really, really bad flu. All right. And the mouse is mild flu. Okay. Well, the mouse is uh, bringing bubonic plague. So I, I don't think that was a good no. choice, but all right. much deadlier than the elephant. How about this one? <laughs> okay. Was that a puffer fish? A puffer fish? Yeah. To a goldfish. To a goldfish. So basically arguing that you should be imprisoned in a goldfish bowl. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And there's several more. This was the last one I grabbed here. We got the. Oh, once again, a gorilla that in the wild, probably taken from a zoo picture, but. Yes. And then the mild, which is a stuffed monkey. That's right. I don't know. It doesn't so, appeal to me. Maybe it appeals to somebody who's like, oh, the flu is now a soft, cuddly monkey bear. So That's they it. think that what happens is we just tell people, listen, it's going to make your flu less severe if you get the flu shot. Yeah. And um, here's some pictures of some animals. So the this, whole idea of vaccination has changed from prevention to reduction in intensity. Exactly. And we already have a, a zillion other ways but besides injecting the body with toxic poisons to reduce severity of a flu that manifests. As I said, I, I was kind of getting there with my you know germ theory sort of rant that the, the majority of these symptoms associated with what we call a cold or a flu are detox symptoms. They're the body attempting to rid, the, rid, rid itself of debris, toxic debris beyond normal metabolic waste because it's an unusual event. Now, if you want to argue that you got that debris from somebody sneezing on you, okay, again, we can have that discussion. But regardless, it is not about an antibody necessarily, as we point out in basic immunology, that having an antibody is neither necessary or sufficient to protect you from a given disease and not having one doesn't guarantee you're going to get sick or die. And I guess that's what CDC is saying without saying it. We've given up on telling you this is going to prevent the flu. We're going to argue it'll turn your gorilla, silverback gorilla, into a stuffed bear or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, I like know. this. It might, it might get somebody <clears throat> not impressed by it. Steve says, uh, wild to mild sounds more like a sales slogan for chicken wing dipping sauce. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're dipping people. That's for sure. Uh, I think that's what's happening now. There you so, go. Oh, Good man, one. That, I like that. That's pretty wild. 
really wild. By the way, mm-hmm. if you haven't figured out how to quote unquote prevent or treat the flu, you know, homeopathic medicine is excellent. Of course, we've got a number of remedies. I've got a homeopathic hit. In fact, today it's very appropriate and we might want to do that early. So I have time for Jim Smith. Um, you want to do that yeah, first? Yeah, this this actually the, our discussion of flu shots could be a perfect lead in for today's homeopathic hit. Yeah. So uh, all the greatest homeopathic hits are right here on the Robert Scott Bell show each and every day that I have time to do one. And Super Don lets loose with a PDF document for your introductory uh, uh, capacity. Here it is. The homeopathic hit of the day. Your introductory capacity. Yeah. To, to learn about. Jeez, you know, did, hold on. Let me go get my thesaurus. What? 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 The, what? Yeah. Look, it's all Latin. I know. So here, let's go for right. Aconitum napellus is what I call it, but aconite, the homeopathic remedy of the day. Then we have Jim Smith joining us from Trinity School of Natural Health. We're so excited to have him on today. Uh, but aconite, the remedy for symptoms from sudden cold wind exposure. And we're not talking about a cold. Oh. No, we're talking about actual wind. <laughs> but cold wind, but it could be also sudden onset of any kind. So homeopathic hits is designed to give you a brief introduction to enhance your introductory capacity, as I said, uh, to homeopathic remedies that often can be overwhelming when you open up Materia Medica. And this aconite is often used for symptoms arising from sudden exposure to cold winds or um, various other, if you want to call it exposures or threats. It's particularly effective in treating acute conditions before they fully engage or arise. Now, the origin of aconite derived from the aconitum plant, it's commonly known as the monkshood or monkshood or wolfsbane. Now, it's interesting. Monkshood is often preceded by the word deadly, deadly monkshood. The plant is carefully processed and potentized to create a homeopathic remedy. Some of these remedies, these herbs, these plants, these flowers can be toxic in their mother state. So please only use aconite homeopathically if you decide to use it. The key characteristics include conditions that arise suddenly, such as colds, fevers, earaches, especially after, you know, it keeps coming back thematically, exposure to cold wind. Uh, and why would that be? If you think about it, can you imagine the chill you feel now? You're, you're, you're in your T-shirt and you got a cold wind. And you're like, ooh, that's an aconite uh, symptom, so to speak. Mentally, individuals needing aconite may experience acute anxiety, restlessness, and often, this is a key, often feeling fearful. Like, wait, I feel a little paranoid right now, Super Don. I'm like looking over my shoulder. What's going on? (laughs) And it could be that something is trying to overcome your immune system, overwhelm you. I would argue primarily that your liver is congested and there's something going on in the seasonal shift, emotional. There's all kinds of stuff. But if you feel a little paranoid or afraid, you're like, I don't know why I have that feeling. It's not necessarily that somebody's watching me. You know that song. But it's something going on inside you that's going, Ooh, I'm a little uneasy about this. That's aconite. So when we talk about primary uses, we go to the acute conditions effective for dealing with sudden onset of colds, fevers, and earaches. And I like to think of aconitum or aconite. You take it the first sign of anything. How about that? When you want, if you want to program yourself to, let's say, act before you're reacting, you're sort of reacting, but you're a little bit more proactive than in a full react. It's like, I feel something chill. It's like, if you ever felt the feeling of having a chill and you're like, oh my God, I think I'm getting sick. I think I'm going to have a fever, right? You think your temperature's elevating. You first feel cold. That's the sign 
that you need to take aconitum napellus homeopathically. That's a huge tell, so to speak. Now, there's a lot more aconite in the Materia Medica, but it is thematically for most homeopaths and people that encounter homeopathy. It follows along with this brief guide that Superdone has made available for free download. And if you feel so inclined to support us by becoming patrons of the Robert Scott Bell Show because you're grateful for all of this, we're, we're grateful for you. And if it's just to share the show, that's okay, too. But aconitum, effective in dealing with sudden onset, the first sign of anything, and anxiety. It's, an, it's also an anxiety. Remember, when you feel anxious, aconite is indicated. Panic attacks, especially when triggered by sudden events. So when we go to attenuations or potencies, we're talking about 6X to 30C typically. Uh, that is self-help, repetitive dosing. When you have the lower attenuations or potencies, you can repeat, repeat, repeat to get out of a crisis. And I'll just tell you, uh, in my experience, I've even used 10X, which a lot of people go, that's nothing. That's, that's so low potency. But, you know, you can hit it, hit it again a few times. And then you were like, oh, man, I felt like I was going downhill. And boom, I'm back before I ever went downhill. So that's, again, another explanation for the use of aconite before you get full on into this. Now, of course, if you go to higher attenuations or potencies, please consult a homeopathic uh, uh professional of some kind that really knows how to work with you there and that, but it, it can be done safely, of course. Some complementary remedies include belladonna and phosphorus. Uh, interesting belladonna, uh, acute conditions, fevers, earaches, primarily in children. Phosphorus, my favorite remedy, addressing fever in adults. Now, it'll boost a low fever. It'll reduce a high fever. It works with your body's innate intelligence or vital force helpful for respiratory issues phosphorus again it's hard for me to know what we've done i think we've done phosphorus already though that's one of the ones you can download for free in the show notes from uh, today's show as uh september 28th 2023 so avoid self-prescribing for chronic or severe conditions if symptoms worsen or pers- persist please consult a healthcare professional of your choice and this is the remedy for the first sign of anything when you suspect you're about to get sick so hope you enjoy the homeopathic hits they don't uh, replace, you know, any uh, medical advice because we're not giving you medical advice, just information and education to empower you to get well and stay well because the power deal is yours. Just I remind you and myself all the time. All right, Super D, what do we got? Ta-da! There you go. Homeopathic hit of the day. That's right. Hope you enjoyed it. All right. Well, I think we've got a guest waiting in the wings here. Yeah, did you see that Trinity's got some new coursework starting up in uh, October? I, I did I see that. I, yeah, I don't have it up on the screen. Okay, well, we'll show it. In the meantime, let's bring yep. in our friend from Trinity School of Natural Health. Jim Smith is on the Robert Scott Bell Show, keying up. We're so excited for the Health Freedom Expo. Jim, how are you? Good. How are you today? Got yeah, Man, I'm fired up. I just, I just covered aconite. How could I be any better? <laughs> That's right. Jim, you have a, uh, an incredible backstory and background in business and economics. And I have to ask that backstory. How did you interact and integrate into something like the body, mind, spirit education of Trinity School of Natural Health? Yeah, I mean, people probably are surprised to learn, given my background. I actually had an interest in natural health from a very early age. And so my aunt, who I was very close to, owned a natural health store when I was growing up. And so she was a very big advocate of natural health. And uh, I I was lifting weights and working out at the time when I was was a younger kid. And I was very interested in in supplements and protein powder and how I could gain muscle faster. So I became very interested in that. And that actually, actually, to 
basically selling nutritional products through a multi-level marketing company, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the other kind of early influence I had was my grandfather, who was very into his, you know, growing his own garden and herbs and canning. And I got involved in that process. And actually, as a teenager, I made money by you know, growing fields of tomatoes and pumpkins and that kind of thing and selling to local, local grocery stores. So you're a nature natural, and natural entrepreneur. Products. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even as a teenager. I love and, that. um, and then when I got in college, I mean, I, I, uh, had an affinity for math and science. So, <clears throat> you know, I kind of went down the, the, uh, the road I got ended up getting multiple degrees in engineering and chemistry. And so I have a very science oriented technical background. But even then, I mean, in the marketing classes, my my marketing project was uh, a nutraceutical company. And so that's what I built my my strategy around. But, you know, so I had that interest and in, in I'd, I'd been building kind of a natural health library throughout my my life. But what really kind of galvanized it in terms of, of you know, a deeper interest in, in kind of formalizing my training was when my parents started to get ill. And so, you know, my, my mom was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and, uh, you know, conventional medicine gave her basically no hope and, uh, and we're doing very little to, to really, you know, try to address anything other than just kind of giving her some, you know, quality of life, if, if mm-hmm. you can call it that. And then uh, in 2014, my dad was diagnosed with very late stage um uh, colorectal cancer. So very late stage three. And uh, again, you know, conventional medicine didn't have a lot to offer, but he was very in tune with, you know, natural health remedies and and support. And so I really started doing a deep dive into that. And and we ended up getting my dad into a lot of nutritional therapies. He had a very successful surgery and uh, never had any sign or reoccurrence of cancer after that up until he, he passed from unrelated causes in 2021. Mm. And, uh, and so at that point in 2015, I really wanted to get involved in, in uh, really formalizing my training, not only because I, I could see I could help my family and friends, but you know I wanted to even expand beyond that and be able to help others because I could see how you know, inadequate conventional or you know, um, aliphatic medicine was with respect to just, it was more about just suppressing symptoms, right? It wasn't about understanding systemic cause and how to address that. And so I asked my, my, uh, healthcare practitioner who was also an ND, um, and said, you know, Hey, I, I, I'm work a full-time job with a, a global chemical company. Um, you know, I, I travel 30, 40 weeks out of the year in some cases, so I have to do something I can do online, you know, who would you recommend? And so they recommended Trinity. And so I started doing d- due diligence on Trinity. And, uh, and the more due diligence I did, the more impressed I became with the organization, with the people, with the curriculum. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think the name says a lot. So Trinity, it's really focused on mind, body, spirit, right? So it's all dimensions of really building a healthy, you know, lifestyle and wellness. And, uh, and then the curriculum is, is really built out incredibly well because it not only covers, you know, the, the science and, and uh, the science around biochemistry and physiology, but it kind of blends that with a real life practical perspective of how you implement that, you know, helping people, right, in world, real world conditions. And it kind of cements that through case studies where people actually get a chance to, 
to show that kind of an integrative functional way. And um, their, their Canvas learning structure I really like, uh, which gave you the opportunity to interact with fellow classmates and students, which was just phenomenal. And uh, to make a long story short, I mean, the, the instructors, you know, phenomenal as well. Um, I decided to, you know, start with a uh, doctor of, of naturopathy. So that was my, my first program or course there. And uh, from that, which was very comprehensive, uh, I expanded and did some, some kind of deeper vertical dives and, and got my certified, you know, master herbolo herbologist. And then I got uh, certified as a nutritional consultant and then a, a certified natural health specialist certified health specialist. All right. Have you always been an overachiever, Jim? Uh, I've been told that. Yes. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you, you're taking this like from the business entrepreneurial perspective and then you went in and you say, I'm doing my due diligence on, you know, Trinity. I had to check it out before I'm willing to invest the time and energy and effort. And you went for it because you, you found it was as valid as anything you had found in terms of education, the opportunity to get out there and use it. This has been a, a theme for me, wanting to highlight spotlight graduates from all different backgrounds. I mean, we've had people that were just, you know, homemakers or housewives. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because that's one of the most powerful and difficult jobs in the world to do. I've witnessed it myself and what my wife does to care for me. And she's even got a doctorate. But the point is, uh, everybody from all backgrounds, walks of life can come in and benefit and actually utilize the information that you get, as opposed to, I just got the certificate, diploma, I'm hanging on the wall doing nothing with it. And I keep finding more and more people are actually putting it into play. They're out there working, they're earning a living, they're doing great. Now you already had a lot of business acumen. Have you integrated these things that you've gotten from Trinity into uh, ongoing, uh, let's say business ventures that may be different from what where you thought you were or where you started? Yeah, so let, let me answer that in, in two perspectives. So one, in, in my current role in, in uh, you know, working to kind of launch new innovation platforms for a, a, a very large global chemical company, uh, I'm involved in launching uh, new innovation platforms into the healthcare industry. So right now I'm, I'm working on launching uh, a really broad spectrum antimicrobial um, that we just filed a section three with the, the US EPA. So we submitted, we spent probably a million and a half dollars submitting over 200 documents with the EPA. So that's in the review process now. Is that normal and, to go through the Environmental Protection Agency rather than the Food and Drug Administration? Yeah, so any time that you're gonna make a claim that you're killing uh, any kind of pathogen. So if you're making a claim that you're killing bacteria or virus, yeah. then you have to go through the EPA because you have to be registered as a pesticide. Right. Have you heard this about the EPA going after the Berkey water filters because they filter out these microbes? I don't even know that they say they kill them, but that uh, you got to now identify as a pesticide and go through all the tests in order to, to sell your water filter. This is the crazy stuff we're dealing with. Yeah, it is. I mean, that it, it's a uh, it's a massive, massive undertaking. So we did we did probably, you know, over 100 tests in terms of toxicology and you know, mutagenicity testing, et cetera, to try to get this file with the EPA. And mm -hmm. now it's like in the two-year review process, right? So it's not something that happens quickly. <clears throat> and uh, so we're, we're working on getting that out. So that's more for hard surface disinfection. So if you look at like what people do now, like with Lysol or bleach, you know, it's a one-time kill. And right. so I've worked a lot with, with organizations like hospitals, you know, so you could kill the, you could, you could clean the surface and 10 minutes later, somebody comes by and recontaminates exactly. it. Exactly. The, the yeah, product we're coming that, that lasts a long time that is not toxic to human and animal health 
Uh, and I think I'm sen- and sensing that's where you're going with this. That is exactly right. So yeah. we're, we're literally launching a product that is environmentally clean. It's non-toxic, um, no allergenic response, no issues with skin sensitivity that, uh, you know, protects 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So mm-hmm. it's long lasting. You know, nice. it, it's not a one and done. And uh, we're, that's what we're working on launching. So I've been very involved in that. And then we're also oh, no. launching. And, and I'm sorry to keep interrupting, Jim, but a lot of things are jumping through my head as you're talking about this innovative step and the fact that you're going through EPA to, <clears throat> to get there. Uh, the uh, I think it was the Biden administration just said they're going to put out 100 million. And I don't know if you can get a grant for it, but because they know antibiotics are running out of steam and they can't figure out what to do. Uh, but as I said, I, I think the bias against nature is clear from you know, the various agencies that have been captured. Uh, my friend has the Orange Guard Tor McPartland, which is a delimiting-based pesticide. He actually, in the 90s, got it through. I don't know if he could get it through today, but it's still available, and it's a wonderful product. And and then the other, you know, uh, absurdities that we've seen in terms of they're calling a water filter a pesticide now. And how how, how are you doing? Are you meeting any uh, headwinds or obstacles? Or it's just in that two-year cycle now, you're not sure where it's going to end up going? Yeah, so it, it's a, they, they do a, the when when you submit to the EPA, they do a 90-day technical review cycle, or, or for 90 days, and then after that, they come back with any questions. So they've already we've already been through that. So we addressed the initial questions they had. Now it goes into a prolonged review cycle, mm-hmm. which can last up to 18 to 24 months. And so we're yeah. just kind of in the midst of that cycle now. Right. And, and, the, know, and the other thing that recently happened, you know, Jonathan Emord, he's, a, you know, one of the keynote speakers at the Health Freedom Expo every year and uh, an attorney that's beaten back the bad guys. I call him that in the oligarchy. Um, he t- had a client that had a product that was uh, manufactured into plastics that would help him to break down, to become more biodegradable so that they wouldn't be here a thousand years from now. And the EPA argued that, well, because it didn't break down in a year to its elements, it, we're not going to approve it. And Mike, what what does break down its elements? Even a banana peel a year later is still recognizable often as a banana peel. So again, this is I'm I'm sending you good vibes and prayers that you succeed in dealing with this because we need more of what you're describing there. And again, applying what you know also from Trinity is trying to get a sense of how have you become more environmentally conscious and aware. You say you have some of that thought early, early on in your own upbringing. Yeah, let me let me give you a couple perspectives there. So um, the 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 real the real application that that I want to use with this knowledge I've gained from Trinity is is you know I, I actually want to to kind of move into a second career. And so you know even though I'm involved in the healthcare industry now, it's it's not from the the kind of natural health perspective that I really endeavor to be involved with. And so. What I want to do is, is I want to take kind of my technical background in engineering and in chemistry and physics and combine that with my business background and kind of marketing, sales, advertising, you know, running business P&Ls, and then overlay this, this health knowledge that I've, I've got through Trinity hmm. and, uh, and come up with, you know, and, and develop some, some really natural healthcare products that have the ability to help people overcome some significant barriers on their health journey. And, uh, and I think, you know, to me, it, it's not so much, I mean, when you look at what's out there today, I mean, you were just showing, you know, a great homeopathic product before we went on air and, and um, there's lots of really good products within, you know, specific healthcare verticals. So, you know, whether it's, you know, homeopathic or herbal or, 
you know, other vitamins and supplements. The, the real opportunity in my mind is, is not within a, a specific, you know, vertical or segment, but where they start to overlap. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our vision, and I, I say our, my wife and I, she's been in healthcare most of her life, is to kind of take the, this overlap between nutritional biochemistry, you know, where you really have the influence of things like, um, you know, enzymatic, metabolic kind of, of functionality on the body, and, and kind of overlap that with brain neurochemistry, so the brain reward center, so where you're generating you know, dopamine and serotonin and endorphins and opioids with with kind of organic, all natural, healthy ingredients, and then overlay culinary science, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of texture, flavor, taste, aroma, that kind of thing, and, and really come out with some products that, you know, I think there's, you know, a, just a big gap in the market now with respect to mm-hmm. being able to do that in an effective right. way. It brings to light for me, Jim, that the things that you, you've learned at Trinity are not widely taught in what we call the university setting. Now, there is some crossover. Don't get me wrong. There's obviously some basics that do apply. But in a lot of ways, it kind of stops in the in what we call a traditional university setting and doesn't go into any of these holistic uh, ideas, if you will. Uh, or ideologies, et cetera, when we talk body, mind, and spirit and the, the integration. So it sounds scientific, yes, but it also leaps into an area that tends to threaten certain industries that largely do impact or control outright the curricula available in a traditional university setting. Uh, so again, it, it just brings to mind that you're doing things from what people go, oh, he's a business guy, he's an entrepreneur, and now he's going to Trinity, and he's then taking that and applying it back to that. This is like, totally cool. Maybe somebody has now an idea of how they might be able to do that as well. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, finding to, to me, finding the intersection of how you can combine, you know, different disciplines and knowledge um, is, is really where you start to create unique value. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think we have the opportunity to do. And the knowledge that I got from Trinity uh, it's just been so profound in so many aspects of our life, right? So, I mean, it's not something that, that we just talk about theoretically. I mean, it's something that I've actually lived and experienced in, in really significant ways. I mean, just in terms of how my my wife, my family, and I have integrated it in our own life, right? The learning. I mean, there's just numerous examples of where, you know, we've been just massively changed and, and not just theoretically, I mean, really viscerally mm-hmm. in terms of how we feel and, and, you know, our health from the learnings that we've integrated from a lot of this training. For example, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that we've done and, and really integrated very heavily is, you know, trying to manage this exposure to environmental toxins. And so <clears throat> you probably already are aware of this, but we're actually living as the first generation in history where our children are forecast to have shorter lifespans. Right. Than we are right, so that that's never happened before. I mean, you're seeing such an introduction of environmental pollution and chemicals. You know, food that's covered in pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. You know, um, synthetic chemicals, skincare products. You know, air pollution, uh, mineral depletion from you know the ground and in the vegetables and and food that you currently buy. Um, you know, allergens, uh, water, air. I mean, it, it just goes on the list of, of things. So my wife and I have really made a very concerted effort to, you know, kind of 
take action in just about every one of those areas. So, I mean, we've gone to clean cookware. We've gone to whole house water filter systems you were talking about earlier, including mm-hmm. UV treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I got involved. We had a dog that, that was sick with cancer. And so we took a holistic approach to that as well. And so we, we started giving our dog uh, water. We started with distilled water. We structured it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after we structured it, we hydrogenated it. So we saturated it, saturated it with hydrogen. I bought a yeah. hydrogen I, machine. Just, Jim, for a moment, when I hear hydrogenation, of course, I think of hydrogenated fats. You're not saying that. What we're talking no. about is dis- dissolving molecular hydrogen into water. You know, and that's that is correct. Part. Our buddy, yeah. my buddy, Paul Bertero speaks every year at the Health Freedom Expo on hydrogen. He has for years, one of the most innovative of those uh, that do that. So, yeah, I'm glad you're plugging into that, too, uh, and seeing tremendous benefits. All of these things. Again, it's not one thing. It's encompassing all these other things. They add up to, I say, reverse the trend of reduced lifespans in terms of our children or their children. Uh, much less quality of life issues as well. It's not just the the length of the life, it's the quality of the life. And, you know, if you were like me, 24 years old, suffering from 24 years of chronic disease, you might be motivated, and I'm not saying you, Jim, specifically, but in the general, you might be motivated to do the things that you're talking about. So if people are sitting on the edge and going, yeah, I have this lingering thing and no doctor has been able to figure it out. You know, how about changing your terrain, your environment? You know, how about incorporating things that benefit the body, mind, and spirit? And again, that's the Trinity coursework that's available to everybody from health coach all the way up to CNHP and C- CHHP and everything in between. Yeah, completely agree. And, uh, you know, we, we've made, I mean, we made so many changes, probably dozens of changes in, in that area ourselves, right. In terms of, of integrating that into our life and practically applying it. And uh, there's just so many elements and so many ways people can do that. Um, you know, I, I don't think I, you know, in, in some cases, I think it, it's just a lack of knowledge. So people that, that do have, you know, autoimmune diseases, for example, that, you know, want relief, they want to, you know, gain, get their life back. Mm-hmm. There are so many modalities out there that can help with that and support that, that, you know, I think people are just unaware of. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we've been trying to integrate a lot of those in their own life, you know, more in a preventative method right now. But I mean, they're, you know, frequency healing is just a, a tremendous opportunity. And, um, you know, we actually invested in that when our dog had cancer for PMF therapy, but mm-hmm. we use that ourselves now. That's incredible. There's a great TED talk on, you know, frequency actually destroying. You can see pancreatic cancer cells imploding, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's one of that's the most powerful. difficult cancers yeah. to deal with, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's actually on a TED talk. You can go out and Google that and watch that. By the way, uh, and, Jim, a lot of these things we're talking about, there'll be people exhibiting these things, these technologies as well at the Health Freedom Expo. Yeah. If you needed another reason to join us in, in outside of Chicago, 15th and 16th or 14th, I can't, is there, there's a Trinity Live event as well, two days prior. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I uh, hope to see you guys there, uh, at, least the, at least for the actual expo, the 15th, 16th of Saturday, Sunday. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, Super Don, do you have the uh, the website up so we can show what's available upcoming? There's a lot of cool stuff that Trinity has offering, uh, over 19 diverse online programs as well. And there's new startups every month. And uh, again, visually speaking, 
Uh, the thing is, you can go to trinityschool.org. This is what the website looks like. There are all kinds of programs you can link to. There's even the le- lectures on demand. Here's Super Don showing a bunch of the things on the screen from certified health coach, certified natural health professional, <clears throat> certified uh, holistic health practitioner, certified traditional naturopath. I mean, th- th- dude, these are amazing. Advanced biblical, biblical studies, aromatherapy. Uh, we have covered a lot of this and now even some clinical homeopathy focus with uh, they partner with Desbio. So there's some really amazing things that you can integrate into your life, whether you're wanting to become a healthcare provider or not. As Jim has said, you know, in his entrepreneurial and business skills, how much this education has uh, allowed him to expand and do other things that are quite, quite important and profound and helpful for uh, it seems like for all humanity to have something more natural to address the microbial burdens that are just floating around in there, especially in hospital settings, a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, and I, I would just say too, if anybody's on the fence relative to the Trinity Live event or the Expo, you know, I've been I've been for the last three or four years now, and it's the single best investment in natural health I've ever made in my entire life in terms of value for the dollar. I mean, it, it's just it, by a landslide. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, I've gone up it, to individual sessions after like the Trinity Live, which is coming up and uh, and told the speaker, hey, that single session, like, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Lauren Omling and Jason Omling did a one on hormonal balancing. I remember it was so profound. I went up and said, hey, that one session, I lit- was worth multiples of everything I just invested to get here. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I could say that on numerous sessions. And so it, it's literally an incredible learning opportunity. And then the expo is just, you know, off the charts. So the quality of speakers at the expo, and this year it's back to back, which yeah. makes it really easy for people to attend. The quality of the expo is just phenomenal. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's going to be some just world renowned speakers there. Um, you know, you're going to be there, you know, Ty Bollinger, who wrote the truth or developed the truth about cancer, truth about pet cancer. I get his newsletter every month. He's going to be there. Uh, there's just so many others. I mean, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, my, my struggle is going to be deciding which, which track to follow, right? There's just, (laughs) there's more, there's more opportunity than you can actually absorb or or Mm. take in. And, uh, well, and, and this year we have, uh, Dr. Brian Artis, a good friend who's uh, really one of the, I mean, you talk about a champion that saved millions of lives. He came out and made it uh, obvious to everybody that, the hospital protocols were killing people, particularly with remdesivir. And then, of course, the controversy now beyond that, talking about snake venom peptides, we haven't been introduced fully to that, uh, many of us, although I've, I've been able to engage and, and, and dig down deep. But there'll be an opportunity at the Health Freedom Expo to do that. He's going to do a special workshop as well. Uh, and we've got, the, you know, of course, the Health Freedom uh, panel. We've got the uh, Alternative Innovative Integrative uh, Medicine panel as well. And there, there's just so much. And the good news is, folks, even if you can't see everything, because you can't, um, there's also the virtual expo, the virtual health freedom expo that'll launch in every year. We do that now in February. So we have a replay of everything. So even if you couldn't get there, or even if you were there, I can't see it all. You can then access it. And then there'll usually be some more presentations, some new innovative presentations, as well as we usually do at least one live, um, uh, panel discussion on that February Trinity, uh, virtual expo too. So, you know, I don't want people to feel like they're left out, but I do encourage you to find a way to be with us in Chicago and start taking the coursework because it's so valuable and so affordable relative to what you get relative to what you can see out there in traditional education models where you end up in debt, you may come out and never be able to repay that debt. That's uh, just not what happens at Trinity. Yeah. 
Interesting that you mentioned remdesivir because mm-hmm. uh, I said my father passed away in 2021. That was what killed him, remdesivir. Yeah. So it literally yeah. is so is so dangerous and, and so detrimental to kidney function that, you know, I mean, it, it should never, in my opinion, it should never be used. And, uh, and, and by the way, on, on COVID, you were talking about some of the, the issues there. I mean, Dr. Tim Penny just released yet another report this week on, uh, you know, finding uh, double-stranded DNA contamination in the, the uh, Pfizer and Moderna COVID doses. Oh, which, it gets I mean, that, 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 that's a massive issue in terms of potential mm-hmm. DNA contamination and what the implications that could be. I mean, you know, it's like every, it seems like every, you know, few months, graphene oxide, some other, you know, adjunct, the, the, you know, ingredient or contamination or something in there comes out that people weren't aware of, right? Yeah. And, and the potential implications of that. So well, we've got to come together and uh, face it courageously. You know, first that th- this has really happened and it is still happening and then say, well, what do we do about it? What can we do about it? And these are the things that you'll be exposed to, to empower you at the Health Freedom Expo. And for those of you going to the Trinity Live event just before it, all in the same place, Tinley Park Convention Center. And I think, uh, I hope they have rooms left. If not, there's some other hotels right around there. But please, please, please consider joining us there. And Jim, you're going to be there. I am. Yeah. Wouldn't miss it. So if people you know, I mean, run up to you and go, hey, I saw you on the Robert Scott Bell show. Will you sign my <laughs> autograph? <laughs> yeah, for people, I mean, they're even on the fence relative to Trinity Live, which is the two days before the expo. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many people have read, you know, Matthew Wood's books on on uh, herbals. But, you know, his, his session alone on energetic, you know, herbals is going to be, I think, worth the the, you know, cost to get there. That's just like a bonus session on top of the deep dive we're doing in, you know, RBTI on, on iridology, on Bach therapy, you know, on muscle response testing, you know, it, it's incredibly powerful modalities that I think anybody that has an interest in natural health mm-hmm. could massively benefit from. Well, folks, if you're not sure about the Trinity Live event, I know most of you know about the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. We've talked about the live event, which is more for healthcare providers, Trinity graduate students, and graduates of other programs in the holistic and integrative and even allopathic uh, realm. You'll learn a lot. Uh, Call up Trinity at 800-428-0408. See if they have any seats left for you. 800-428-0408. It's Thursday and Friday right before the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. And stay for all four days. As you said, it's going to be fantastic. And Jim, you're amazing. Yeah. I appreciate you and all your background bringing it to Trinity and bringing what, what Trinity has brought to you out into the world. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm uh, so excited. I mean, with what I've learned and, and the ability to, you know, kind of give back to people in, in terms of, you know, anything I can do to help health. I think, you know, I was thinking the other day, you start off in life and, you know, it's kind of you're about survival. You know, how do I pay the monthly bills? How do I get by? How do I make it work? You're a young person. And then you kind of, as you get more successful, you kind of move into where it becomes kind of from survival. You start thinking about success, but then you reach a point in your life where, you know, you start thinking about significance. What kind of legacy I'm going to leave? You know, what am I doing to help people? How am I going to be remembered? And, and so, you know, when you get to that point, you really start thinking more profoundly about, how can I help others? I mean, what mm-hmm. gifts did God give me that allows me to help other people in the world right. improve their lives? And, and, you know, it's different for different people. But I mean, you know, for me, I think that gift is how I can blend this knowledge we just talked about, 
into helping people change their health in, in yeah. a very transformative way. Well, Jim, thanks for taking some time out of your day to be with us on the Robert Scott Bell Show Spotlight and our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. I'll see you soon at the Expo, and that's uh, it'll be here before we know it. And I uh, look forward to seeing you and all y'all that are going to join us there live in person at the Health Freedom Expo coming up, Jim. Thanks so much. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Y'all sign up for coursework. It starts every month. They got a new cycle start, and we'll talk about that and a whole lot more after the break, including edible vaccines. Yeah, we're coming back with a bonus round to talk about some stuff because the power to heal is yours. bonus round another great show thank you super don thank you robert scottville hey how's how's the how the volumes coming out today can you, can you monitor i don't know i haven't gotten any complaints so right. i think we're good i i sense that you're louder again but do you, you really talk too much but every day you try to drown out the host i know i know i don't it's know like what subtle subtle but powerful i, I, feel I like don't it. know what's going on or why it's doing that and i could be wrong but you know that's yeah, you're usually right, though. Traditional so history there. I'll just, I'll back off here. Yeah. <clears throat> no problem. Back Let's off, see. man. Look at it, comments. Um, Leslie, Jonathan E. Moore needs a solid two hours. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's enjoyable. I, I think we hit some really cool topics today, too, that ask for, not that we don't do this, but ask for really an adult mature, maturity. You know, or sorry, to, you know, you talk about the gay cake thing. Of course, we could snicker and laugh about that subject, but... Seriously, when you look at it in terms of forcing somebody to violate their own religious beliefs, it, it's different than denying service to someone who happens to be of a different religion or whatever. And, and trying to, to communicate that sometimes is very difficult because it's, you know, it's like seems to be an all or nothing for some people. And there are nuances to these discussions that I love that we can get into when it comes to that side of things. Right. Agreed. So seems like that was well received. Um Let's see what other comments we got coming in. Um, back and forth. I'm just looking in. And oh, Steve had a comment about it. I don't know if it was in um, our chat room. I, I yeah, it's on our chat room. I don't know if it's also on pub on the um, social media. Steve said basically the law says you cannot offer a product or service to the public and then deny serving some individuals because we don't like your kind. However, that is exactly what platforms like YouTube are doing. Isn't that interesting? Again, that's a form of discrimination, but we're not a protected class of people, Super Don, because we believe in health, freedom, and healing liberty. That's not a protected class. Uh, if we were into woke transgenderism, we likely would not have been banned on YouTube. Just saying. 
you may have a point there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to uh, try and find out, though. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Is that Leslie was asking about aconite? Is that the one for stage fright? No, that's gelsemium. I don't know if we've done gelsemium yet, but that I should have maybe put that in there. I, I think I ran out of time this morning when I was getting ready because uh, I usually like to add a third uh, reference point, you know, like a, another remedy to consider. I just I think I ran out of time today. Sorry about that. Um, Steve knows that phosphorus was covered on September 8th. How cool is that? Uh, let's see. Yes. Uh, phosphorus. We've done, dude, we've done quite a few. It's amazing how fast this goes when you do it almost every day. Yeah. Steve's, uh, I think Leslie and Steve are going back and forth on a, a theme song or something to open up with. And I think he's hearkening back to the thing you did for Dr. Batar, you know, where you heard, you know, Spock say, I'm a, you know, I'm a scientist, I'm a doctor, not a whatever. But uh, he's talking about Spock saying pure energy is something that would be good for homeopathy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. that was sampled in an 80s song. I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. It was very popular. Pure energy. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Can't remember who and, sang that song, but. Yeah. And of course, with Steve going into the controversy of viruses, if you're making a claim that you're killing a virus, you do not understand that a virus is not alive. Yeah. Even if you believe in what they claim viruses are, you know, they're protein envelopes that supposedly grab your DNA or RNA from your cells and then go out and replicate, you know, numerous copies to the point of what they call a viral infection. But you're right. It's not a living thing, even if you believe in the existence of them in some form or, or fashion. It's not the same as a bacteria or a fungus, if that's, you know, the nuance that we need to make. And I agree. So let's see what else we got. Class action on remdesivir. I'm looking at comments here. Had more time. I would totally take some coursework maybe when the house is finished. Yeah, Leslie, I know if you got the homestead going, it's hard to do more than that. So glad, Leslie, that you enjoyed the conversation. I did too. All right. What else we have? Uh, we got some sports updates, I think, believe it or not. Um, sports updates. Yeah. Kenny Maurer. Remember we interviewed oh, him? Oh, yes. That's referee? right. Yes. Although we had sports, him on the show. Very cool. One sports update is baseball. My wife and I were watching the game Braves and uh, Cubs and uh, Acuna Jr., this guy, this phenom. I think he's like 25 years old. He has hit 41 home runs, and he just stole a 70th base. And apparently, you know, the 40-40 club is 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in a year. It's like only four or five people have ever entered that club in the history of baseball. And he's done 40 and 70. It's like, it, it, yeah, it's like you watch a guy going, dude, there's this guy from another baseball planet or something. But that was fun. We enjoyed that. And uh, But back to Kenny Maher and the NBA. Um, this was the guy who was a, a lifelong, I mean, a long-term free. And we had him on the show. And we talked about, you know, he refused to get the COVID injection and then was summarily said, you're not welcome here anymore. Right. And apparently there's a bit of news, an update on that. And it's in the show notes. Do you have that open to show everybody? Actually, you know what? Let me, um, he, he put out a short video. It's only a minute and a half long. Okay. Um, and so I thought, why not? Let's just play that and, and uh, get an update on what's happening with him. Sure. My name is Kenny Maurer, and I'm proud to say I'm born and raised in Minnesota. My NBA career began in 1986, and as a result, I've worked in five decades and over 2,000 regular season games. The NBA was like a big family to me. We all worked together, players, coaches, the stadium staff, everyone in the arena. But in 2020, like many Americans, my life was turned upside down 
when I refused to take the COVID injection. My religious and medical freedoms were denied. And after a 36 year career, I was terminated from the NBA. And to make matters worse, in an unprecedented move, the NBA froze my pension. My story is like too many other American citizens. If you don't comply with the narrative, you need to be silenced. Well, if you know me, I'm not very easy to silence. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Suing the NBA for firing me and freezing my pension. I don't even recognize the league I used to refer to as family. They have proven this is no longer about basketball. I need your help. The NBA is trying to lure me to death and basically silence anyone who dares speak out against them. Please join me in this fight at givesendgo.com slash Kenny Mao and send a message to the NBA. You will not silence any of us. What happened there with the video file? It was weird. It was weird, huh? Were you playing it from Figures, the web? Or did you no, have it? I was playing it local. It sucks. That's um, It's a computer issue. Yeah. But anyway. Sorry, uh, guys. So, okay. Long story short. Right. Open up the, the, the story there. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, it's, he's got to give, send, go. And play the video there on the Gibson Go mm -hmm. so you can hear what he had to say. But basically what he was saying is that, uh, and, you know, we, when we had him on, he told his story, you know, that he was, I mean, if you are into the NBA at all, you recognize this guy. He's been on the court as a referee for 30 some odd years. And uh, when the NBA said, okay, now everybody has to get a COVID shot. He was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, that's not right for me. I, I, I'm not going to get it. So they terminated him, mm -hmm. and apparently they've frozen his pension as well. That That's just, man, dude, that's just like punitive. Yeah. That's just so not cool at all. They're trying to lawyer uh, lawyer him to death um, in the situation, so he's asking for some help. Yeah. So if you feel so inclined, you can go over to, it's in the show notes, you can go to the Give, Send, Go there and uh, help him out with the battle that he's fighting against the NBA, which is just, it's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so the stuff we got woke professional leagues, and 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 you know these are the reasons some people have just refused to participate in uh, supporting the various leagues, and I understand why. Like you, you get a little bit disgusted. You know, it's it's like you appreciate the athletes and how they provide entertainment, but excellence in in, in human endeavor, and you get these bureaucrats surrounding them. And I'm not saying every athlete is uh, you know periods of driven snow that's not at all the argument it's just that these the, the the league organizers when they start adopting woke policies and and things that violate fundamental freedoms man it's 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 tough on the athletes that are that have integrity particularly and it's tough on like referees like uh, kenny maher as well so i'd love yep. to see support for him push back on that in the nba i love to see him back on the court doing his refereeing he's one of the better ones that have that's I've where he belongs yeah. yeah yeah definitely Definitely. We got uh, Death by Salad. Um, new Substack article for the rsbshow.substack.com. Salad or syringe, the madness of edible vaccines. It's like the madness of King George, but the madness of edible vaccines is... Uh, <laughs> you like that picture? That, dude, the picture's great. And then there's a second picture that I like even better. It just shows, you know, this, this salad head of lettuce looks like a, you know... A Halloween, you know, yeah, horror right? show, the crypt, right? The crypt, if the Crypt Keeper uh, was made out of salad or something, right? Dude, I'm telling you, the way you described this to get this designed, you <laughs> could you could design Halloween horror movies with the stuff. Pretty cool. 
Yeah. And it references a little bit about uh, 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 Congressman Massey, who was on the show yesterday, the amendment he got to remove the funding for uh, engineering vaccines into food, basically cattle and other things. Just astonishing that we actually have to have legislation to stop this from happening. You know, these are bioweapons that they want to do, you know, weaponize our food. Not that it already hasn't been. And he made some great points. And you would think that, uh, yeah, listen, we've been through the whole Monsanto thing Mm -hmm. as a country. Uh, This is not something new, but, you know, the idea of, well, okay, we're going to genetically engineer this, this lettuce or these, this corn or whatever uh, to create mRNA vaccines. And then all you have to do is just eat it. You can actually grow it in your garden, right? You can grow vaccines and you can keep yourself safe and healthy oh. and stuff like that. And he brought up some great points like what happens, like what happened a while back when he was saying that there was this case where they uh, did this with corn. Mm-hmm. And they, they uh, genetically engineered the corn to produce a, a, a drug or a vaccine for pigs to keep the pigs from getting diarrhea. And what happened was the corn uh, contaminated a field of soybeans. And it was like half a million acres or something of soybean. They had to like destroy or something like that because it got contaminated with this, this genetically engineered diarrhea corn. Mm. And it was just like, you know, so what happens when you have this MRNA lettuce and the lettuce cross pollinates, you know, and it goes into somebody else's field and it spreads all around. And then pretty soon you'd have no idea whether you're eating MRNA or MRNA plants or not. Yeah. You know, you're just happy your pig didn't have diarrhea. Ooh. So that was one of the amendments that he was talking about when he was on the show that they passed through just from a voice, a voice vote because nobody, nobody wanted to be on record going, Oh no. Yeah. I really want to have that stuff. That's going to contaminate, you know, uh, uh, all the plants in nature. Have you heard from Liz Reitzig today to, and on the last two? Uh, um, I have not. I amendments. Have, okay. And I, I checked out uh, Congressman Massey's, Massey's Twitter this morning to see if there was an update from yesterday, and I didn't see anything okay. either. Well, if we get some updates on that, we'll report on it. Uh, tomorrow, uh, travel day, heading to Houston for the uh, Healing Strong 10-year anniversary. I'm going to do a workshop there on Saturday. And I'll have a, a booth where I'll be pouring out silver shots, copper shots, maybe even some Cardio Miracle. I don't know. But we'll have some fun there. Um, we've got um, the next weekend, of course, is the Pittsburgh event for Nutritional Frontiers, as well as uh, in West Jordan, Utah, the Healing uh, Your Health Freedom event. Kristen Chevrier was on talking about that. I'll be speaking at that. And there's so much more that I can't, I can't even remember it all. Um but there's the upcoming events tab at robertscabell.com because I think the, the one thing we did add recently, oh, yeah, go ahead and put up the, the page if you don't mind. Let's take a look at it. I, I haven't done that much today. The, North, the Great Northwest Awakening, that's going to be happening after the weekend after the Health Freedom Expo. And that's, you know, outside of Portland. And Brian Artis will be at both the Health Freedom Expo and the Great Awakening uh, out there just north of Portland in, I think it's north. It might be east or west. I don't know how you get from Portland across the Columbia River into Washington, what direction you're actually going. All right. Because, you know, when I say that, it's you might think, well, that's weird. Why wouldn't it just be north? Well, I guess if I knew the the actual where it crosses, what direction you have to go to cross the Columbia River. But if you think about, you know, one of the trivia questions uh, that you I don't think you've used it yet, Super Don, when we do our giveaways on our, our Zoom AMAs. Mm-hmm. But it, it's um, true or false. Um, you know, you've got the Panama Canal, right, going through Panama okay. from 
the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. True or false, the entrance to the Panama Canal on the Pacific side is further east than the Atlantic side. What? Not, you think about that. That's weird. <laughs> like, no, the Pacific Ocean is the west and the yeah. Atlantic Ocean is the east. But okay. if you look at the way they, they constructed it, it's weird. It's not what you think. Okay. So that's just an aside. Weird, weird thought for the day. All right. All right. So what else we got? The uh, Functional Medicine Summit and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona with Drs. Terry and Stu Warner. That's November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, just following the F7 Film Festival. And then we have the Great Exodus Conference. That's newly added. For those of you who thought you knew everything that's coming up, November 11th and 12th, and that is in, uh, well, basically West, Dallas. Yeah. South Lake, uh, South Texas. Lake Texas. And I'll be speaking on gold, silver, and copper. Yes, right. yes, I will. So, And then next year. Next year, we got the Autism Health Summit with Tracy Swepsevic, and that's going to be amazing. So uh, I just saw another popular rationalism substack. That's our friend, Dr. James Linesweiler. Jack is amazing. Um, headline reads, Deadly Policy, Peer-Reviewed Cross-Country Study, finds that routine hydroxychloroquine access may have prevented. I just dropped it into Skype for you. You can click on that link. Uh, Peer-reviewed cross-country study finds that routine hydroxychloroquine access may have prevented over a half a million COVID-19 deaths or whatever they said. And a subheadline, counties that restricted access to hydroxychloroquine had higher fatalities. National lockdowns had no effect on fatalities. Uh, Just more evidence as you look back on this to say how wrong they were about pretty much everything. I mean, it's hard to, even if you try, I want to give them some leeway. Maybe they meant well and they just screwed up. I'm thinking, no, these are a bunch. Now I can say it. These are a bunch of morons, idiots, or nefarious schemers that wanted us to die. There is no justification for them restricting hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, any more than there's any restriction for, uh, or, or justification for restricting homeopathy, herbalism, supplement, on and on it goes. But they, for the first time, went out and targeted as overtly as ever before, doctors who dared to not align themselves with the official story. Key Liam Chef, cue Liam Chef in that one. Uh, so James Lyons-Weiler uh, does another great article here about that. You can share that with your friends that still don't believe that government screwed up. If they still exist, I don't know how they're alive, though, but that's another story. So thanks, Dr. Jack. And y'all check out IPAC-EDU.org for the amazing uh, array of also um, – topics that you can cover and learn and better yourself with. So what else we got here today? All quiet over at rumble. Okay. Yeah. You said rumble started slowly today. It was just the first couple of minutes. For some reason it wasn't, uh, wasn't connecting. Yeah. And then, you know, as always happens, I contacted um, tech support, with restream and as soon as i contacted him it started working so okay there was a uh, i got an email and i think i forwarded it to you from um nutritional frontiers if you can check that out we can show because there are a lot of deals still happening and in fact i just got word from jamie dorley um due to fantastic results we are running low on a few formulas so please order asap so, folks, if you're running low on these particular products from our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, remember, you can still use the, the code RSB15 if you love the Air Max. By the way, we gave away. Let me show you. Let's see here. Uh, no, I have Relax and Sleep Time. I gave away a couple of things at our Zoom AMA from Nutritional Frontiers. But the Air Max is a very popular formula. Uh, Air Max SB Choose 
Um, there's a cholesterol for those that are concerned about cholesterol in a safer way to address that. Uh, let's see CBD cream. Oh man, the transdermal. I've been using that recently. I had some chelidonium point type stuff and Oh, God bless that product. I'm so grateful for that. So the CBD transdermal cream, small and large, they're out. But uh, the CBD cinnamon and lemon uh, is still available. Uh, I, I like prefer the mint, but the cinnamon and lemon is awesome. I've had both of those, cbdnf.com, RSB15. Uh, let's see what else. The Omega 2800 liquid chocolate greens is getting low, so order them. Thermogenesis complete. We've talked about that recently with them. So these are a bunch of formulas you is want to Is this what you're on. looking at right here? I don't know if it's the exact same thing, but this I just I got a special message I mean here. The, but, uh, the, the email. What's that? This is the email. Okay. Yeah, was, let's go to that in a sec. I just want to get this okay. message out from every for everybody because Jamie has is, is got an urgent message for everybody. Uh, if you are uh, running low on thermogenesis complete, please order thyro complete, women's complete, and you can order one to four cases still though. But I mean, that's... Uh, a message, especially the healthcare providers out there. Now go back to the email. Let's see what's in that email because those are usually special deals. Formulas on sale, so you get fifteen percent off of their already deals. You know they're they're doing so it's fifteen percent off of these these select formulas through the thirtieth, which so is a couple days more days. Now. Yeah, and so then and then you yeah. get an additional fifteen percent on top of that. Yeah. So read those formulas. Beauty Complete, Best Way, Enter DMG, which is one of the Ooh, ones you yeah. really like. Dude, I'm telling you, that the, the lozenges, you don't want to be without traveling around. You never know when you're going to get exposed to the, uh, the glyphosate. And it's more than that, but that's a big part of what, what we do every day. HA uh, Plus, Omega mm -hmm. 3D, X Flame, mm -hmm. uh, Frontier, Men's Complete, Women's Complete, the Super K2 Plus. The Power Field, the Pro Purples, and yeah. oh, look at that. The Super My Creatine. My favorite Super Creatine is on sale. Dude, you've been waiting for this. 15% off, and you get an extra 15% off? You want to put on lean muscle mass like I've done? Seriously, this is awesome. So I didn't I didn't know that that was going on sale, too. So take advantage of the Super Creatine special at Nutritional Frontiers as well. And I'm glad you stuck around for the bonus round so we can get that out to everybody. There you go. All right, let's see. What else do we not cover today? Uh, Diane has a question. Okay. She got some inner DMG. When do you take it? I take it uh, pretty much after every meal. Um, and usually I'll forget, but I mean, at least one meal a day. Because even though we eat all organic, the recognition is there's inadvertent exposure to the the uh, uh, glyphosate and the DMG pushes that out. It does a lot more than that. There's a whole book on it, but for me, it's at least uh, typically I'll try to take it with or after a meal. And it, it tastes fine. It's not objectionable at all. It, it, it absorbs very rapidly and uh, it's a good, good uh, top of the ending of your meal cycle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks Diane for the question. Yeah. And that so, is on sale. So take advantage of the 15 plus 15 off. All right, so I've got nothing in the chat room over at Rumble. Okay. Uh, okay, we got another one here, Diane. Uh, is there an expiration on the CBD li liquid? My mom got the singles a few years back, and she just found them and gave them to me. I don't see a date. I don't think so. When uh, you say singles, see. what do you mean singles? I don't know. I've got the liquid. Are you talking about the samples? Yeah, I don't remember that, singles. What does she mean? Yeah, well, you know the samples that they had were the little vials. 
Oh, gotcha. I, yeah, I don't know that as long as you keep them out of extreme light and heat, I think yeah, they should be fine. It should be fine. Yeah, I've I mean, got this. This is this is a little older, but I'm still taking my mint. I'm going to take some more now. I needed a lot of it yesterday to get through the day. They, yeah. There we go. Just harvested some more mint. Harvested some potatoes this morning. We had some uh, russet baking potatoes that grew in the summer that I harvested today. I'm looking at the bottle now. Do you see an expiration on there? I don't. I couldn't find it. Yeah. So it should be fine. Yeah, I've, I'd I've, use it. Yeah. Unless I mean, there's it's a, the, a the ingredient. What is it? Is it what? What is the? Um, is it olive oil? Yeah, no, it's MCT. Yeah, meaning train for ghostwriter oil. And coconut oil looks like. Yeah. It's a good delivery. Yeah. So, yeah, you should be fine. Yeah, unless there's like a head of lettuce growing out of it that, that you look at in our article at our Substack. Then, <laughs> yeah, then you might avoid it. But that's good. Yeah. Oh, good. Imagine going out to the garden seeing that staring at you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that's what I've got. Um, Cetro is not in the chat room today, and today we went we went uh, to you know almost two thirty. So, yeah, he should be happy. He can't. Well, he can't complain because he wasn't here. Pacific time, by the way. That's right. So, uh, what all right, got so, going on for tomorrow? Have you thought about a, an encore for tomorrow? No, I never do until <laughs> until later. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll pick a good one. I know you do. You always do. I always pick a winner. Unless you don't. But yes, you usually do. And um, yeah. So my mic sounds okay right now? Yeah, it does to yeah. me. So yeah. I had to drop it all the way down to four. Wow. Four hash marks up, you know? I Yeah, it's like you got ghosts in the machine, man. I don't know. It's, there's, it's something to do on the computer Yeah. Um, that it, it does that. But I think I know now that when that happens, as long as you tell me. Okay. I can drop it down to here and then it puts me back at a, at a, at a decent level. Okay. So. Yeah, we figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. When Nat, Nat, my wife just yelled down, she was talking about the signing little single use. Remember the sample ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We figured it out. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I've got. So tomorrow will be an encore travel day for you heading to Houston, right? Yes. Yes. And then we should have an interview that I can conduct there for Sunday conversation. Okay. I'm not sure who, but there's a lot of awesome folks that are going to be there. And I'm looking forward to reuniting with my Healing Strong family. I'm Susie Griswold on out. And hope hope y'all are, well, again, it's sold out. So all ashore that's going ashore, I guess. Okay. There are probably still tickets for the Health Freedom Expo and the various other events. So if you, if you can't see the Houston event, then uh, come to one of the others. And, uh, We'll be back, uh, see. Monday. Well, Super Don will have a show that you probably will love tomorrow. Right. We'll be, we'll be back Monday. You'll be back uh, for Monday show, right? Yep. That is Okay. I think that's correct. Yes. Yes, it is correct. Okay. So Sunday conversation on Sunday, back live Monday in studio. You guys have a good weekend. Keep warm. It's getting chilly out there. Yeah. I think, I think when I come back from the Houston trip, we'll still be in the nineties and humid, but uh, it'll mm. be chilly when I get back. So I, we had 30 degrees this morning. Oh my gosh. Fortunately, I covered up the tomatoes. Hooray. Yeah. So, all right. Have a good day, guys. Have a good weekend. See we'll you soon. See you later.